What's up, dudes? It's a vigorous Q&A. Are you guys ready? Second last one for the end of the year, but next one is going to be something different. It's going to be special. It's not going to be the vigorous Q&A. It's going to be the boozerous Q&A. Yes, that's right. Get your alcohol ready. Get your cigar ready. Next weekend on Saturday, December 30th, I'll be outside smoking a cigar and drinking some liquor. Um, so feel free to join, right? Anything goes, <laughs> all of your questions that you want to ask as I get progressively more and more and more intoxicated, uh, anything goes, right? So please join me next weekend at the Boozer's Vigorous Q&A. And then uh, from uh, next year onwards, we're going to discontinue the Patreon page. And hopefully uh, everybody will mo move over to the YouTube memberships because it's a little bit easier to manage. I've already removed the vig Vigorous Contributor level because there were 80 people on YouTube that were just the vigorous contributors. And a large majority of those people were constantly asking questions during the vigorous Q&A, but there's a different tier for the vigorous Q&A. So I removed all membership options besides the private vigorous Q&A option. Um, and then hopefully uh, some of the Patreon members will move over. And otherwise, we'll just start from scratch and slowly build it up again as uh, 2024 proceeds. So those are basically the updates. A couple of uh, videos are pending, but obviously with Christmas, my editor is not going to work and I'm not going to work. <laughs> so I think I have like six or seven videos in the in the buffer up until now. And then hopefully I can get 10 videos in the buffer and then I'll start um, editing my own videos again so I can release those in between. All right. Uh, I hope you guys like the uh, anabolic androgenic radio uh, ratioing anabolic to androgenic ratio debunking video and uh what was it roman fritz's video i hope you guys like that one and then next week will be the entrepreneur deep dive uh, chapter two part three dropping monday yeah and you fuckers better watch i don't care that it's christmas get those views up get those likes going get those comments going because uh, without comments and likes and views uh you know posting videos is kind of useless right okay let's get started with the questions jay hodge 1002 is 200 to 250 milligrams per week testosterone annotates oh with 200 to 250 milligrams per week testosterone annotates which will shit on my estradiol and SHBG the least primo eq or dihydrobaldenone um oh, it kind of depends on your individual response right so i mean you see that people get uh low estradiol on primo and low estradiol on EQ and low estradiol on dihydrobaldenone, which is basically baldenone, right? But uh, 5-alpha reduced. So I would say that it's uh, up to individual response and the dose that you're taking because in a one-to-one -one ratio, I would say that masterone, primo, EQ, and DHB all lower estradiol levels in very similar extents. But of course, everybody's different. Some people notice that estradiol doesn't go down at all with primobolin or doesn't go down at all with masterone and same for EQ or DHB. So uh, give each uh, a try for a month at the exact same dose. And then ester formulation aside, right? I mean, Primo is methanolone anethate, so you get a little bit more milligrams of net uh, methanolone. And EQ is uh, undesonate, so you get less milligrams of actual boldenone. And DHB is uh, usually sipinate, so you get uh, a little bit less than anethate. Yeah, but of course, the molecular weight is different. There's another video about this in, in making, that's why I remember. So... Um, and no, get your hands dirty and figure it out. It could be different for everybody. And of course, the dose um, also contributes into that. So if it's one to one, I think it's very similar, right? So if you do 200 test and 200 Primo or 200 Voldenone or 200 DHB or 200 Masterone for that matter, I think the estradiol suppression is going to be very, very similar in all contexts. Uh, but of course, individual response is going to um, you know, ultimately determine that for you. 
So uh, do your fucking blood work in the meantime. And we're all ready to monetize. Great. All right. Mudasar asks, hey, Steve, I took two IUs Omnitrope at 8 a.m. and did blood test at 11 a.m. Uh, let's see. So that's about three hours before. And my serum GH was 1.3 nanograms per milliliter. What does this mean? <laughs> it means that it's pretty fucking low. Um, did you did sub-Q or intramuscular? I mean, I would expect your serum GH levels, even with subcutaneous administrations, to be significantly higher. And if your IGF-1 is only 7 nanograms per milliliter, um, yeah, I'm calling a bunk on the Omnitrope. So next time you go in, uh, do an IV test. I know it's nasty, it's not scary, but that's the best way to uh, circumvent the potential uh, metabolism peaks and valleys that you could be missing by, you know, doing it three hours later or four hours later or two hours later. Two IUs, Omnitrope, intravenously, and check your blood growth hormone levels five minutes after, right? It takes about five minutes for uh, serum concentrations to be uh, homogenized homogenized right that every, the concentration is equal everywhere um and of course igf1 will take you know a couple hours or maybe even days to really reach peak ser uh, serum concentrations so how about you do two ius uh, omnitrope before bed for a week that should raise your igf1 levels and then the day before you do your blood test you still do two ius omnitrope intramuscularly or subcutaneously before bed and then five minutes before you actually draw blood you do two ius omnitrope iv if your uh, growth hormone level isn't 80, 100, 125 nanograms per milliliter, 100% bunk. And just send it to me. I'll take care of it for you. Don't worry, right? I'll pay for the postage. <laughs> Actually, if it's all, I only want it if it's 100 milligrams per uh, milliliter. Otherwise, I don't want it. Uh, maybe the trash bin will want it. Uh, Mudasar asked, uh, <laughs> let's see, asked Steve, my chest is quite sore for a few days with as little as 10, 12 sets of exercises, but my shoulders are never sore, even with a lot more volume and giant sets. Does this mean I can train uh, shoulders more often? Uh, that's part of the story. I mean, soreness is just, I mean, lactate, right? I mean, it's lactic acid buildup and that irritates the tissue. So maybe your chest is not as efficient to remove the lactate from the skeletal muscle being the chest, obviously, and then your shoulders are. And of course, your shoulders are structurally different from the chest. There's a lot of small muscle fibers, whereas the chest is basically two or three. I had the chest upper, lower, and then the little thingy underneath. Um, basically, three separate muscles. So maybe it takes uh, more time for the you know the, the the soreness to go away. Maybe you need to do some deep tissue massage therapy. Maybe you need some uh, beta alanine, right? Maybe some some citrulline malate during your chest workouts. I mean, soreness is just an indication of work, but it's not the sole end all determining factor if you worked hard enough for hypertrophy to make it grow. And otherwise, um, maybe you try shoulders twice a week. You know, you do shoulders one time with your chest day and another time on a separate day. Because, of course, if you do chest day, you use a little bit of front delt and side delts, depending on the exercise. So maybe you do a little bit of laterals, maybe uh, rear delt flies, and maybe some front raises. You know, all isolation movements on shoulder day. That's kind of what I do on my push day right now. And then uh, you do a separate shoulder day, and then you go ham with the presses, right? A dumbbell press, a barbell press. Uh, standing military press, whatever, right? Whatever press you like. And then a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, cable work as an example to kind of finish it off. Give it a month, give it two months. Make sure you eat a fuckload of food and uh, take your uh, steroids uh, if you do take them, uh, which I do think you take, uh, Mudasar, because you ask me drug questions all the time. <laughs> so in your case, uh, yeah, eat a little bit more and, and maybe inject a little bit harder and then uh, your shoulder should grow also. 
Mudasar also asks, hey, Steve, I usually can go hungry without carbs until about 2 p.m. But once I ingest carbs, I start feeling hungry every two hours, roughly. And thereafter, is there a reason behind this? Uh, insulin release. Yeah, your selection of carbohydrate sources. Maybe the carbohydrate sources that you're eating are digesting very, very fast and causing a very high insulin response. So you get uh, over insulin over secretion, causing your blood glucose levels to come down within in about two hours after meals. And then in this dip of uh, borderline hypoglycemia, you get the munchies. Basically the same thing as what wheat does. That also gives you a borderline hypoglycemia because insulin or wheat can cause some sort of uh, insulin response. So uh, in, in that sense, it's very similar. Maybe you need to go with the potatoes or add some vegetables and healthy fats to each meal. So you can kind of slow down the digestion of the carbohydrate sources that these uh, you know meals con uh, containing carbs have. And uh, that way you might be able to circumvent this, uh, you know, immediate insulin release, get more sustained uh, glucose level in the bloodstream, more sustained insulin release, and thus you're not hungry after uh, two hours. And otherwise, I mean, a lot of people would be jealous for this. They would say, uh, you know, if I'm hungry after two hours, I can just eat more and grow harder, right? If you're going to train shoulders twice a week, why don't we feed into this? You have your carbs, um, you know, every two hours. <laughs> Why the fuck not, right? We're trying to grow here. So eat a little bit more. Just don't get fat. And by the way, thanks for your postprandial hypoglycemia video. There is nothing like it anywhere else. This shows how much of a genius you are. I watched this video last year around this time because I was suffering from it every uh, evening upon hitting the gym. I searched up everywhere I can, but it's hard to explain or to find answers. Thank you. Uh, so thanks to you that you had it made already with such a nice but bothersome subject. I have about thousand videos on my YouTube channel, so I, I, I can't even remember which one it was. But if it was helpful, um, my pleasure. <laughs> I've made so many videos, I can't remember. What kind of hypoglycemia video did I, I have a video about the uh, intricacies of insulin and leading into incretin uh, response, right? To kind of explain to you guys how semaglutide and liraglutide uh, would work otherwise at the time that these uh, medications became very popular. But yeah, I have a boatload of videos related to insulin sensitivity and uh, insulin. So if it was helpful, don't forget to like. Ahmed Klaus asks, hey, Steve, don't you think that gorilla respawn with 2.5 grams of tyrosine is overkill for people who eat a ton of chicken breasts? <laughs> no, dude, not at all. And the dopamine video will drop on Monday. So you will see that I actually like higher servings of L-tyrosine once, two times, maybe even three times per day. I prefer at least 1,000 milligrams up to 2,500 milligrams, depending on how I feel with else, whatever else I'm stacking with that um, neurotransmitter precursor, um, you know, intake at that time. So uh, I don't think it's overkill at all. But of course, you get L-tyrosine and L-phenylalanine from your diet. And, and you might get, I don't know, 10, 20 grams of phenylalanine and then 5, 10 grams, 15 grams of L-tyrosine over the day from dietary sources. So the difference is that from dietary sources, it needs to be broken down, take some time to ingest, um, digest and ingest, right? And then you get a little bit of dopamine boost, but if you take L-tyrosine with vitamin B6, P5P, which helps with the conversion of L-tyrosine into L-dopa into uh, dopamine, then you get a dopamine kick. And then fuck me, dude, you're going to work hard. I mean, guess what I took about an hour ago? Gorilla Mind Respawn, baby. I mean, I'm very motivated to get this two and a half hours of answering questions done. You'll see.
they'll see when the gorilla mind to start a gorilla mind to respawn is starting to wear off they'll answer shit slower and less um less uh intellectually let's see uh, ahmed kalafs also asked did you notice being more introvert or antisocial while being on mudafinil is there any way to shorten its active life or half-life uh no not at all man i think it was super uh, social and active and and friendly on modafinil because i mean it has some dopaminergic and serotonergic effects which um man i was researching into it for a while but i i kind of some somehow forgot anyway there'll be a modafinil video reasonably soon um so anyway it has some 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 overlapping effect on serotonin and no man i felt always very very social and very interactive and easy go uh easy going uh, when i was on modafinil 50 milligrams per day maybe you take too much or maybe your dopamine um neurotransmitter synthesis isn't sufficient right if it's if uh something like modafinil or any of these other um nootropics is stimulating the synthesis and release of particular neurotransmitters but you're not getting enough adequate building blocks of these neurotransmitters in then you might start to feel weird or antisocial or introvert right I mean you still need to supplement and make sure that you have adequate building blocks this is the entire basis of chapter two or part two of the entrepreneur nootropic stack making you guys realize that you need L-tyrosine and that you need alpha GPC or some sort of choline variant right that you need uh five um uh, what is it l uh, l tryptophan or 5 hydroxy tryptophan in your diet just to make sure that you have adequate building blocks for dopamine and uh acetylcholine and uh, let's see serotonin right all those building blocks should be there and then if you do take modafinil or aracetam or, or adderall whatever you prefer then at least it's working properly and you don't get these weird side effects right so it's a step-by-step -step thing and this is why all those biohackers are always weird as fuck. Because <laughs> they just slam the nootropics and they don't eat right because most of the nootropics have an appetite suppressing effect. And thus they look mad unhealthy and they look a little bit weird because they're highly stimulated from such a high dose because the neurotransmitter balance is completely off. Right? And then you take the, the, the nootropics away and they completely fall apart. Right? So, yeah, I hate to say it, but I said it. Ahmed Klav asks, after Kurt and Dr. Dean's rant about growth hormone, when is the ideal time to pin its cardio sessions for max fat burning effect? Uh, did I watch that podcast? I think I didn't watch it yet. Um, so yeah, Kurt, I think was the one who introduced that it takes hours for the lipolytic effect from growth hormone to take into effect. Um, and there, there might be some merit to it if you go purely with the scientific evidence, but if you go with experience and my experience tells me that a, a growth hormone administration one hour before cardio and one hour before the workout does have some sort of lipolytic effect over months that you're doing it. Um, then that seems to be the best way to go. And if you're a bodybuilder and you're constantly eating, when you're inhibiting some sort of lipolysis, right, it's going to be very hard to time the growth hormone in uh, for the sake of fat burning otherwise. So you could take it before bed when you're in a fasted state, or you could do the old school method that you wake up at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning when you've already had your nighttime growth hormone pulse, and then you top that one off with exogenous use in order to suppress further cortisol release when you start waking up, right? Which you can also take phosphatidylserine and ashwagandha root extract, or both load high dosages of testosterone also has a very good suppressive effect on cortisol. So, um, long story short take your growth hormone and shut the fuck up and follow your diet and do your activity and all will be okay and everything will be okay if you're just consistent 
Ahmed asks, uh, started uh, performance enhancing drugs at the age of 32. Now I'm 36 with no breaks in between, just TRT. Okay, that's fine. Uh, or baby cycles. Do I have to take breaks of tests and go on a PCT for a while? No, I would recommend you to at least have some human chorionic gonadotropin in the picture to keep your testicular function active, right? So by the time you do want to come off to conceive a child, for example, then testicular function wasn't shut down for a very long time. That being said, I was shut down for let's say 10 years in total with intermittent breaks of HCG blasts in between. And uh, yeah, I got my fertility parameters back just uh, quite well. But, you know, that's not the same case for everybody. So in your case, I would recommend at least a little bit of HCG in the picture. And there may be periods where you just do TRT, three, four, five, six, seven months, however long you prefer, right? It's six weeks TRT or six weeks off, that's not off. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> If you want to be off or in TRT, do it at least for a couple months, you know? I mean, I've been off now for almost a year, and uh, that's really off, right? And when I say I'm off, I'm still on ATG, FSH, and some growth hormone. So, you know, it's it's never off, 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 completely off. I would do a PCT when you're ready to conceive. And even then, my last PCT was somewhat successful, but I didn't feel good. So I'd rather do ATG and FSH instead of um, relying on luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone coming from my pituitary. Um, and, and I would say that I feel 10 times better than the last time I came off fully. So once you uh, bite the bullet, you're never fully off. Unless you go to jail. <laughs> then you're fully off. <laughs> Then you're fully off, yeah. Ahmed uh, asks, how can I grow a wide back and shoulders? Exercise selection. Well, close grip stuff for a wide back and obviously laterals for shoulders. So it, it, it's very simple, T-bar rows, right? seated rows where you do uh, the cable, ca cable seated rows and maybe some chest supported rows, right? But as long as you do everything uh, close grip, then you tend to develop your lats and then you will finish the workout off with some uh, pullovers, for example. And then for shoulders, it's just, you know, varieties of uh, lateral raises that have to be strict, they have to be controlled. So if you see people, um, you know, doing lateral raises with 30 kilos, uh, that ain't strict. That'll, that's a lot of trap in upper back and, uh, well, knee, knee and lower back also. So uh, do it super strict. I'd hold it at the top half a second, same with the contractions at the back, hold it uh, at the, you know, the peak contraction for half a second and, and you know, then give it some time. Give it a couple of years because it does take time to grow muscle tissue. And of course, you need to be in a caloric surplus to grow muscle tissue as efficiently as possible. Give me a slight caloric surplus, right? It doesn't have to be a fucking permabulk. Um, and you take it from there, man. It takes time. Just because I'm big doesn't mean it didn't take me 25 years to get big. Uh, let's see. Which is better for collagen synthesis, joints and connective tissue? Anivar versus nandrolone phenylpropionate versus equipoise. Uh, I would say Anivar, but that's mostly because it's the most studied. I mean, there is some collagen synthesis effects from Anandrolone, and I think one or two studies of Boldenone that shows that. So long story short, most steroids uh, potentiate collagen synthesis because it's part of, uh, you know, protein synthesis process, right? So, but the most studies and the most prescribed in the context of improving collagen synthesis is Anivar, and the medical dose is 20 milligrams per day for up to four weeks which uh, that four weeks is way too short, of course. That's when the fun starts. So I would run the Anivar for uh, maybe 12 weeks, 16 weeks at incrementally increasing dosages, right? You can start with five milligrams for a couple of weeks, then 10, then 20. And if you do want to bump it up, then feel free to do so. Let's see. Evan asks, hey, Steve, my extremities always get very cold. 
or get cold AF. That's as fuck for the people who are unaware. <laughs> Happens uh, way more when I take stimulants. Ah, vasoconstriction. Yes. Uh, but it's been uh, a problem for years. Was hoping you might have some advice to fix this issue. Well, um, it, it could be a multitude of different things. But yeah, if you do take a stimulant, of course, the vasoconstriction will limit blood flow to the extremities. And that will make, um, you know, the sensation of cold even worse. So what can you do? Step number one, no more stimulants. That includes caffeine or anything else that can be vasoconstrictive. Step number two, take something that's vasodilatory. Uh, vas vasodilating, man. Let's take something that's vasodilating, like uh, beetroot extract or cardotone or magnesium. Yeah, magnesium is also a vasodilator. Helps you to relax your arteries. Good for blood pressure management. Very good. Cialis. Telosartan, right? Valsartan, lisinopril. I bought a bought a lot of blood pressure medications you can look into. Um, but I think the best thing you can do for uh, you know raising your body temperature is just by slowly but steadily increasing your carbohydrate intake and focusing on mitochondrial health because it's the mitochondria that help with energy production and overall uh, heat production in that process. Don't do the DNP thing to make uh, you know the ATP synthesis less efficient and throwing off a lot of heat. You can get the same effect by focusing on mitochondrial health and increasing your carbohydrate intake with, um, let's say, vitamin B1 to uh, B vitamins. Yeah, B vitamins alongside of that. And then surely but surely your metabolism will pick up, your mitochondrial function will upregulate, and then your energy production and your overall uh, heat production will go up and guess what protein is quite thermogenic so make sure you have some protein with your carbohydrates yeah but it, it, it might take some time right maybe your metabolism right now is just absolute trash and you need to build that up and you can't do that overnight it takes consistently you know consistency five meals per day for let's say six months to nine months before it really starts ramping up that's why most pro bodybuilders they take months to prepare uh during the off season to ramp up their metabolism and then take months to die down while the metabolism is still ramped up. Thomas, what dosage and duration would you use to address uh, tolerance to injectable superdrol? Oh, God. <laughs> I make one podcast, one fucking podcast, and in my inbox and here in the Vigors Q&A, everybody wants to fucking know about injectable superdrol um, in terms of how it affects your lipids and liver markers. Well, I've never used injectable superdrol. I've used injectable anadrol and guaycol, which I would uh, not recommend anybody to use. But uh, apparently Roman Fritz uh, had access to injectable superdrol and MCT oil, which uh, when the, the, the carrier oil deep dive video drops in a couple of weeks, I had my editors backed up, um, then you will understand that MCT oil is certainly better to suspend injectable oral steroids in than any other, other, any other um, solvent-like carrier oil, right? because MCT oil doesn't cause systemic inflammation. So to answer your question, uh, 50 milligrams of Superdrol with Roman Fritz was using, that's a bodybuilding competition dose, right? And if you're not doing a bodybuilding competition, I would limit it to 10 to 20 milligrams injectable Superdrol per administration, maximum two times per day. Uh, intramuscularly and then i would run it for maybe two weeks in duration at maximum because superdrol is madly for toxic and uh you know if you're injecting it you're bypassing the first metabolism which means that the the the, the second being the only pass to the liver is going to be increased uh toxicity so uh 20 milligrams two weeks in duration job done yeah make sure you have your tatka ready 
and your liver transplant already um so you can get away with the side effects <laughs> all right what's next uh so von rostein rostein so von rostein okay hello sir currently on testosterone replacement therapy for four months recently chest pains moderate or slight located along the left uh pectoral okay why don't you go to a doctor and we have cardiologists for this wasn't there somebody last week who asked me about chest pain guys <laughs> don't ask me i'm not a cardiologist i'm not a doctor <laughs> fuck dude full blood test is good but high sensitivity c-reactive protein is 7.3 milligrams per liter um normal range is yeah so that's that's way too high that's that's myocarditis level yeah after usa I had 11 milligrams per liter yeah I guess I walk around with myocarditis in the USA for two weeks. Yours truly. Let's see. Um, uh, CKMB, so that's the heart-specific creatine phosphokinase, is good. 3.2 units per liter, so that's good. Under 30 years old, good health and no family risk of cardiovascular disease. Well, with that CRP level, I back to differ. What scans and tests would you recommend? Okay, first, let's go to a doctor. Second, Show them your blood work. Explain that you experience mitocarditis from this severe inflammatory state of a high sensitivity C-reactive protein of 7.3 milligrams per liter that you currently, uh, how, how to finish the sentence, are undergoing experience, whatever. Um, I would ask for a uh, electrocardiogram first to see if, uh, if, to see if there's any arrhythmias, then an echocardiogram an ultrasound on your heart to see if there's any uh, cardiac information which you can sometimes detect with an x-ray but you know if you're already going to do an echo why not just do the echo and not subject yourself to x-rays and uh, you're not going to turn into a hulk it doesn't work like that and then after that uh, you need to take away the root cause of the high sensitivity c-reactive protein which could be uh, due to the carrier oil that you're taking yes the carrier oil deep dive video will explain all of that and I have videos about this already on the channel so uh, you use the fucking search function. <laughs> use the fucking search function. Um, and otherwise, it could be diet-related, right? Because there's so many factors that can increase C-reactive protein levels. I mean, fuck, I got my notes right here. Let me give you a quick list. So here, causes of elevated C-reactive protein levels. Viral infection, viral infections and allergic reactions. Extreme colds. Vitamin A, C, D, and K deficiency. Saturated fats and trans fats if chronically abused, processed foods and food intolerances. This is probably one of the first things you need to look into. Stress and socioeconomic factors. High serum lipid levels in obese individuals. Obstructive sleep apnea could also be something that you need to look into. Rheumatoid arthritis, which is of course an inflammatory condition of the connective tissue. High altitude, hypoxia and altitude sickness frequent flying so you know in some pilots and um, flight attendants when they fly a lot their c-reactive protein levels are elevated substance abuse smoking nicotine weeds kratom alcohol ghb other recreational drugs birth control or other oral estrogen therapies elevated cytokines which happens in certain diseases and injecting non-united uh, stents pharmacopoeia synthetic carrier oils which uh, maybe uh, be part of the problem of the TRT that you're currently taking. So yeah, there you have it. Uh, you guys make sure you still watch it. Carry all deep dive video, okay? Since I just spoiled, um, spoiled the beans and blew my load all over the screen. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. I got this one. Lethal Promotions asks, Hey, Steve, do you have experience with Animax? Uh, no, I have not. It is touted as a superior version of CMAX or CMAX. Uh, I enjoy CMAX. 
Oh, Smax. Guys, how do you pronounce it? I still don't know. I tried to ask some Russians here in Thailand, and they've never even heard about C-Max. I thought those Russians would, you know, I'd probably love vodka. And, and that's what I draw the line. Um, I enjoy C-Max, but I will probably try Adamax, but wanted your input first. No, so I've never tried it. I've heard good responses, though. I had people go to, like, science.bio, for example, and they just buy N-acetyl... Uh, Samax and Adamax and regular Samax, and they go with the recommended dosages, which, you know, as the formula changes, the dosages usually goes down. And then they like either Adamax or NSDL Samax, uh, or, you know, for the benefits to price difference, they like Samax more. So, I mean, there's like a million racetams, right? And there's a million modafinil variants. So give them all a try, experience them. And 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 see which one you like best. When I get when I get to Adamax, Samax, and NSDL uh, Samax, then I'll uh, I'll group that all together, and I'll I'll tell you exactly that. But I'll I'll you know go a little bit more through the scientific literature and, and give some dosage range recommendations on the screen. All right, but I've tried Samax. I like it. One month on, one month off. I haven't touched it in a while because of course the fertility data is uh, far from far from conclusive. So uh, I'm at a point where I can only touch stuff which have some clear scientific literature that it's good for fertility, right? So, yeah. A day natty is a day wasted. <laughs> Let's see, Thomas. What is your opinion on subcutaneous NAD plus injections? Are they worth it or should I just stick with 500 milligrams of nicotine at mononucleotide per day? Um, well, I think NAD plus should be done intravenously. Uh, but I think you can do it sub-Q, right? I mean, I started to see some NAD plus or some injectable NAD plus on the market on some of the gray area peptide websites, and I haven't heard any complaints. Now, the problem is with injectable glutathione and NAD plus and other uh, injectable antioxidants, basically, is that they might have some pro, um, pro-oxidant effects at the site of administration. This is why, um, you know, vitamin C, glutathione, and NAD plus mostly are done through intramuscular or IV administrations, sorry, IV administrations, and dissolved in normal saline solution at like 200 milliliters, 250, 500 milliliters, depending on how fast you can kind of tap that in. So uh, you could do sub-Q NAD plus administrations or, inject or intramuscular if you want. I'm just uh, not sure what happens at the uh, injection site, right? So I have access to pharmaceutical uh, compounded NAD plus here in Thailand. I buy that in bulk. 100 vials at a time. My bank account is not happy, but at least I get a fat discount this way. And then once a week, my uh, my IV nurse comes uh, by and administers 200 milligrams NAD plus IV for me with glutathione and vitamin C and a B100 complex. And uh, and then, yeah, uh, tap, you know, taps me on the shoulder like, good job. And then I pay her money and she's out the door. <laughs> But, you know, if you don't have access to that, then, you know, subcutaneous NAD plus injections at 100 milligrams per week is better, I would say, than no NAD plus administrations if you're over 35 years old. I don't think you need it under 35 years old, but I would say that above 35 years old, and especially if you're 40, 50, 60 years old, it will start to matter and become more beneficial uh, for sure. And then 500 milligrams nicotinum and mononucleotide is just sustaining the NAD plus that you're administering, right? So... Give it a try. Uh, here we go. Would injecting glutathione subcutaneously hurt less? Will it still be effective? I mean, it's it's in the it's in the body, so it will be effective. Of course, it will leave the injection depot slower compared to the um, intramuscular injection site, um, but it will still hurt. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, subcutaneous shots intramuscularly and subcutaneously, and the problem is with glutathione. If you want 
you know, 600 milligrams, it's at least three cc's because most formulas are like 200 milligrams for one milliliter when you go with glutathione. I, I haven't seen any higher concentration than that. The pharmaceutical Bayer Tationil, Bayer Tationil, is it the one? Tationil, Tationil, yeah. Bayer Tationil that I use is a 600 milligrams per four milliliters. So that's... Uh, Let's whip out the invisible calculator. 600 divided by 4. 150 milligrams per 1 milliliter. And, and even that hurts. It's not cool, man. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh, it's just something you have to deal with, unfortunately. Let's see. Thomas, fijne feestdagen. Hartelijk bedankt. Thomas. Thomas. Uh, let's see. Say you use two IUs of growth hormone per day and you train every body part twice per week. Would you inject two IUs growth hormone on one side both days? You train that muscle or one IU bilaterally both days. You know, honestly, the, the, the localized effect of a growth hormone, I would say, are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> greatly. I, I can use myself as an example. I did growth hormone in my uh, right chest for almost a year straight and it didn't grow anymore uh, or didn't catch up to my left chest. You know, so IGF-1 has a localized effect. Sure, amino asylum, injectable stampede, and a super shredder have a localized effect. But growth hormone, if you do maybe eight IUs locally, okay, you might get some localized autocrine IGF-1 production. But I think with a one IU per shot, might as well do the fucking sub-Q, dude. <laughs> Honestly, not worth the scar tissue, I would say. Uh, but if you want to do it, if you're setting your ways, then feel free to split it up bilaterally. I mean, I, I, I know we all love to split hairs and go with the minutiae and go with the smallest um, benefits we could possibly get and then, uh, you know, make the most uh, out of our cycle. But, you know, the net results might be exactly the same, whether you do sub-Q or intramuscular 1IU bilaterally. Bill K., uh, hey, Steve, I have a varicose cell and HCG at 750 IUs per week. Doesn't seem to make my balls any fuller. That means aside from fertility issues, I don't get neurosteroid benefits. No, so the neurosteroids you can still produce in the adrenal glands. Actually, that's the primary source of neurosteroid production. The DHA, DHA sulfate, pregnenolone, pregnenolone sulfate. That comes from the adrenal glands located next to your kidneys. So if you're um, on HCG and there's no varicose cell to your adrenal glands, then you still get the benefit of uh, neurosteroid production. But if you have a varicose cell, um, the amount of HCG that might enter the testicles and activate the latex cells, <laughs> activate the latex cells, uh, might be less than if you don't have a varicose cell. And if you have a varicose cell and fertility is really important to you, uh, get it fixed. Right? Because the longer you have a varicose cell, the more of um, an issue you might uh, cause in your testicles because the blood flow is less and less and less and less and less. And the longer you have less blood flow to your testicles, the worse it is for your testicles, allegedly. So if you have a varicose cell, just get it fixed. Just get it fucking fixed, dude. And then, you know, by the time you do want to get your wife pregnant, then, it, then it's already done. <laughs> and then you've had some recovery period in the meantime, right? So you don't have to like, oh, I want to get my wife pregnant, but I have a varicose cell. And my semen analysis is like 5 million sperm per 1 milliliter. So, and, and I'm only shooting 3 milliliters. So I'm way below the World Health Organization recommended guidelines. So I can't get my wife pregnant. And now I have to do a surgery with a recovery period of a couple of weeks. And then I need to bring my fertility levels up, which might take six months, right? Just get it done now. Just get it done now, get it out the door, and by the time you are ready to shoot loads into your wife, then the fertility parameters are absolutely stellar. 
right? and the neurosteroids, even if the adrenal glands are not working, according to the HCG that you're taking, uh, you can supplement with that, right? You can't supplement with semen, but you can supplement, well, I'll ask Connor Murphy. <laughs> I'll ask him when I see him again. Uh, well, you can supplement with neurosteroids, DHA and pregnenolone. You could just buy over the counter at, uh, I mean, Amazon or iHerb, right? So make sure you use my discount codes. All right, Bill K. Is it better to stop or increase dose to see if it has an, has an effect? I'm two months in on 210 milligrams of testosterone per week. Uh, is it better to stop or increase the dose to see if it will have an effect? Oh, about the HCG. No, so get the varicose cell fixed. Yeah. All right. I'm 18, so I shouldn't worry about injecting NAD+. No, dude, you don't need it. <laughs> You're young. You shouldn't even be touching steroids, bro. Are you, are you, are you injecting steroids? Thomas? You, you want to know about injectable super gel? Dude, you're 18 years old. Why are you bezig, gast? Why the fuck are you bezig? Thomas, come on, man. Get your head out of your ass. You don't have to worry about injecting shit. All right? All you need to worry about is getting drunk and, uh, and, 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 and putting your dick in uh, women that are far below your, um, your worth. But that's what you do when you're 18. You know, you fuck a couple sixes and sevens. And uh, yeah, and that's what you should be worried about when you're 18 years old. I'm just doing research. Okay, that's fine. That is totally fine. Uh, but yeah, just have, have, you know, enjoy your teenage years with a fully functioning HPTA. Because uh, once you start uh, dabbling at this young old, then um, not everybody's going to be a Roman Fritz or, or an IFB pro when they start taking steroids at the age of 18. All right, I guess we're already done with the questions. That was fast. Uh, ah, here. Somebody asked one more question in the group. It's good that I checked. Let's see. Let's format it so it looks good. Uh, let's see. GHD4225 asks... I've watched all of your videos on sleep and implemented many of the suggestions. However, I still have one problem. I always wake up after six hours and can't fall back asleep. I've had this problem for the past four years. I don't feel rested. I thought maybe I was experiencing dawn phenomenal due to insulin resistance. I usually have blood glucose readings between 80s and 90s uh, upon waking. Okay, so that's good. Got tested for sleep apnea and that's not the issue. Fasting cortisol is within the reference range, surprisingly, even with sleep deprivation, my total testosterone is 830 nanograms per deciliter. Sweet. But my SHBG is 53. Libido is basically non-existent. Uh, thoughts on what could be going on? Test I should go do. Okay, so you're waking up after six hours. Could be with some sort of melatonin secretion imbalance or growth hormone um, um, insufficiency, right? A, a growth hormone deficiency. So maybe these are things you can look into. And the funny thing is high-dose melatonin, also releases growth hormone, which you can detect on serum. So why don't you slowly start ramping up the dose of melatonin? Um, you have a immediate acting, maybe a sublingual version, three milligrams that you take sublingually that starts working right away. And then a slow release or an extended release version, which you take three milligrams, six milligrams, 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, right? Slowly build it up. Now, that might also help with growth hormone secretion, right? And there's many different growth hormone secretagogues that you can take uh, naturally. I think I mentioned those in one of the MK677 and insulin resistance videos, but 
but I could be mistaken. I do remember making it where I talked about the maximum growth hormone secretion. Uh, let me see. Which one was that? Growth. Hmm. think it was in the mk677 video but i'm not sure so i'll link it down below um i think it was in there where i talked about methods how to enhance growth hormone secretion let's see done so that's linked down below i'll look into that and um you know your libido might be uh you know impaired not because of your shbg i mean my shbg is higher and my libido is totally fine so shut the fuck up right it, you probably saw the numbers on paper and then you realize like oh my shbg is high and now my libido is good not good um maybe it's because of the sleep deprivation maybe you're not eating right right maybe you're in a caloric deficit chronically maybe you're highly stressed you know stress could also impact your sleep quality you know so I, i'm not sure what you're doing in your life and how busy work or school or whatever it is but all these things can affect your uh, sleep quality so first thing i would look into is just slowly ramping up a melatonin dose and um and then take it from there right take it from there let's see what tests you should do well, if your cortisol is already fine i mean maybe look into phosphatidylserine you know phosphatidylserine mk uh yeah phosphatidylserine and high dose melatonin I, I think that would be the first direction i would go all right let's see uh carlos h here also uh wait a minute didn't i just answer this Wait a minute. All right. Okay. Uh, also, as a result of the lack of sleep, my insulin sensitivity sucks. Last year, my hemoglobin A1C was 5.7, but I got it down to 5.3 with diet and supplements. Will I ever be uh, able to bulk on high carbs again? Uh, yeah, of course, but it, it, you have to slowly increase your metabolism and, and make sure that you eat dietary or carb sources that uh, take some time to digest. You know, and then I'm not, not sure what you're, else you're doing for your insulin sensitivity, but you could take berberine or magnesium or fish oil or vanadyl sulfate or some over-the-counter formula that helps with insulin sensitivity, right? I mean, there's so many things you can affect your hemoglobin A1C. And, and you know, if you're already fixed it with diet and subs, maybe you can get it down even more. And then, and then, you know, see if you can slowly start ramping up the calories again without it negatively affecting your hemoglobin A1C. Yeah, maybe do a little bit of uh, walking, uh, you know, in between meals or walking in between gym, right? To just keep your energy expenditure up and your blood flow up. And, and I mean, dude, look into magnesium deficiency and hemoglobin A1C. I'm sure there's a correlation there. Right? You'd be surprised how many people are magnesium deficient and then get all kinds of negative side effects because of that. Oh, that's the one. Okay, that's the one you typed. Okay, so your uh, CH4225, I guess. All right, I hope that answers it, dude. <laughs> All right, maybe you're magnesium deficient. Bill K, thanks, man. Your urologist uh, back then told me if I do the varicocellectomy, varicocellectomy and don't intend to have kids soon, it can reappear after some years. That's why I avoided it. It's not in a severe grade yet, though. Okay. I didn't know about that. Okay. Okay. Well, then you have to go with the um, 
you know, the specialist, the urologist, right? I'm not a urologist. I've talked to people who had a, ver a vericoselectomy uh, surgery and they uh, it didn't come back, you know, after a couple of years. So I don't know, do some more research. See if they're full of shit or not. I, I've never heard about the potential that it can come back or not, but maybe your is a, your case is a unique case, and maybe there's a higher likelihood that the varicose cell does come back even if you had surgery. Did you say you're more likely to have a girl if you have high oxidative stress? Yeah. So if you you know start pulling various studies together and you look at the oxidative stress and the the stress that it can have or the the negative effect that it can have on the uh, uh, Y chromosome, which is the male chromosome, then uh, the Y chromosome might be disproportionately more damaged. And uh, due to the DNA damage, um, you know, if you try to get your wife pregnant with a damaged XY chromosome, then, uh, she, you know, it's not going to work. So if you have a lot of XX chromosomes that are not, um, you know, oxidized or haven't been destroyed due to oxidative stress, then you're more likely to get a girl, right? So it's a disproportionate relationship between XY that's undamaged to the XX chromosomes that are undamaged in the semen. So this is basically, uh, you know, putting that together. But there's not a single study that, that, that shows that. You're pulling from different studies, right? Training causes oxidative stress. Oxidative stress on steroids um, or uh, training on oxidative... Fuck, man. Training on steroids causes more oxidative stress. And then, of course, if you're even on a little bit of TRT, I mean, you're you're just allowing yourself to train fucking hard. So I took the TRT out. So I handicapped myself. And then I took a boatload of antioxidants so I could ensure that I have equal chances. So my, my oxidative states are very, very low. All right. We got 45 minutes left, guys. But if there's no more questions, we are going to go public. Let's see. All right, I guess that's it. All right, then. Well, let's uh, let everybody else join. Look at that bold face. Holy shit. All right, we are now live or public. I go to the bathroom in 30 minutes, though. That's all right. Uh, we are public, right? We we are okay. Of course, everybody's hanging out with Paul Burnett. Yeah, I dose growth hormone timing. Oh no! Let's see. Can Mont CB run long term, or is something you should do only for a few weeks on, a few weeks off? So there's no longitudinal data on Mont C, obviously. I mean, it's a peptide. Most of the animal study, or most of the studies, are animal mo animal models. Excuse me. Um, so we don't know. I think I ran it for 
six months straight and then after that i got kind of tired of the you know the inflammatory response and and you know this this weird feeling that you sometimes get if you inject it too fast so i decided to quit right but i had a fuckload of energy and fat loss was super super easy when i was running mod c and it, it seems that i have no negative side effects uh, so far and right? i'm in a good state of health all my blood work parameters are nice and my energy levels are still quite high uh, because i supplement with nad plus and nicotine about mononucleotide that helps quite a bit so um I don't know. Um, run it for as long as you feel comfortable with. You feel comfortable with. That's what I would say. Five milligrams, two point five milligrams twice per week. Right. My my sweet spot was five milligrams twice per week. Yeah, that was pretty fucking good. Let's see. Brandon family. Bro splits, push pull legs, etc. What's your take on sets per muscle group? As many sets as you can recover from. <laughs> There's no black and white answer, dude. And and you know the way I perform sets might not be the same way as you perform sets, right? I I focus on time under tension. My tempo is perfect, right? My first says, rep looks very similar to my last rep. There's no uh, crazy explosive bullshit. I do uh, pauses and peak contractions for half a second. Right, so um, I can get away with six to eight sets, sometimes 10, depending on the body part and how much food I'm eating. But other people can only get away with six because they train even more intense, right? Because they're even stronger. And other guys can do 20 sets because they lack the intensity. So uh, again, do as many sets as, as you can recover from at the training um, frequency that you can recover from. And if you don't know, buy one of his uh, Mike Israel's ebooks, you know, a little. Uh, um, break it down for you nice and easy but i just i i train for fun i i tell my body tells me when i've had enough volume and enough intensity so you know i'm, I'm coming up to a d load this week so this, uh next week so this week was a bit rough i felt a little bit fatigued felt a little bit tired so instead of doing like eight to ten sets per uh per workout i did maybe six to eight and i felt satisfied to feel home i got a you know good contraction Peak contraction, I got sweaty and uh, my legs were shaking a little bit and all the other muscle groups were shaking a little bit. And then I threw in the towel. It's like, okay, job done. Job done. D-Lo, Cortexin versus Cerebralisin. Which one is better? Uh, I'm not sure because I've only used Cerebralisin, but Cortexin does look promising. I mean, it also has some uh, neurogenic uh, effects, obviously, but I've never seen a head-on-head -head comparison uh, from somebody who's used both so unfortunately i can't help you there um and i'll probably if i do those uh, videos i'll probably do them separately not in combination uh, because of course they, they work a little bit differently right so um i don't know I, maybe cerebral license works better simply because more people use it and more people or report good results right and i rarely hear hear anybody talk about cortexin so Maybe you have to go with the audience sometimes. And if the large majority prefers cerebralisin, that, that might indicate that that's better. Uh, do you know how the stress results in XX chromosome sperm? Please reformulate. Thomas. Do you know how the stress results in XX? Let's, let's try this question again. Uh, Kura-chan. Hey, Steve, would IV6 I use growth hormone thick at my heart muscle? Um, 
I'm not sure, but why would you if you have a dilated uh, cardiomyopathy? I mean, why are you taking a risk to fuck with your heart any further? <laughs> it doesn't make fucking sense. Plus, you don't need to do IV growth hormone. I mean, I talked about IV growth hormone because I was coaching a couple of Indian and Arab bodybuilders in the swore by it, but you're not an Indian or Arab bodybuilder, are you, right? And, and to be fair, Indian and Arab bodybuilders are probably the biggest abusers on this planet. Um, so even though I coached them and, and you know, they swore by it, so I let them, um, doesn't mean that you have to. <laughs> you know, doesn't mean that you fucking have to, especially if you have an issue with your heart. So uh, get your heart diagnosed. And lay off the growth hormone. If you want to do growth hormone too, I use uh, intramuscularly. And that's it, dude. So you're you're really on the wrong track here, dude. Yeah, get your head out of your ass and, and, and stop fucking around if you're asking these kind of questions. Uh, hey, coach, with ancillaries and dosages, I need to... Oh, which ancillaries and dosages... I need for 200 milligrams test 200 milligrams primo on 10 milligrams anivar per day and what for 300 milligrams test 300 primo on 10 milligrams anivar per day um ancillaries and dosages well if your blood pressure is off you might need telmasartan but check your blood pressure first if your blood pressure is fine you don't need telmasartan uh check your resting heart rate right which you can mitigate with uh you know cardio and and just managing your blood pressure with magnesium but if your resting heart rate is chronically high you're not scheduled for deload maybe look into the bivolol right uh let's see i think your estrogen levels are going to be perfectly normal your shbg might be slightly crushed right if you're in a caloric deficit this cycle might give you some uh, libido issues uh, maybe not, right? Because Primo and Anivar are DHT-like, so you might get some DHT-like effects and uh, get a solid libido. So, again, we use ancillaries when problems start to occur, right? If you want to do preventative tomosartan and abivalol, then run a fucking man dose, run a fucking man cycle of two grams of steroids where you actually need it preventatively. But on 300 tests, 300 Primo and 10 milligrams of Anivar, so that's 670 milligrams per week, I don't think you need any preventative ancillaries in place unless you have issues. All right, so check your blood pressure, look into a blood pressure medication. Check your heart rate, look into a beta blocker if needed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing I would recommend is maybe 500 milligrams of Tutka to, uh, you know, keep your liver enzymes low because you're taking an oral steroid. So, yeah, that's would be my recommendations. Let's see, you said oxidative stress results in a higher chance of having a girl. Do you know how? I just explained that, dude. I said, if you pull all of the scientific literature together, it appears that the XY chromosome of boys is more susceptible to oxidative stress. And when you train, oxidative stress goes up. When you take steroids while training, oxidative stress is even higher. So if you put all of that together, it's very likely that the oxidative stress that you're inducing on the Y chromosome results in a disproportionate amount of X chromosomes, XX chromosomes, which is the female, that are now undamaged compared to the XY chromosomes, which could be potentially damaged. All right, Thomas, I hope it makes sense now. All right, I understand you're 18 years old, but all right, listen. <laughs> I hate explaining myself twice in the same fucking vigorous QA. I'd already answered the same fucking questions every week. So don't make it any worse than it needs to be. Uh, Kevin Stillo, are you still planning on testing ACAR and data after the pregnancy? You know what? Probably not, dude. Probably not. I'm kind of over experimenting. And, and, and 
I'm sure when I have a child in my hands, I will realize that all my experimentation days are done because it's no longer about me. It's about raising a child. I don't know how many people just keep on dying in this fitness industry. I, I think I need to reel it back in, dude. I've tried so many drugs already. And when you look at the, the views of the entrepreneur or the, of the endurance deep dive, it doesn't even fucking warrant doing the experiments because nobody gives a fuck. So, so why would I run it? Right? Nobody's hiring me for consultations for ICAR or data. Nobody's watching those videos. So why would I subject myself to experimental compounds with minimal scientific evidence uh, after the pregnancy when I have a job to do is raising another fucking human being? Right? So no, right? ask somebody else to run that experiment or, or do the research yourself. I mean, I've, I've taken over 500 different drugs, dude. Give me a break. Give me a fucking break. Let's see. You mentioned injectable amino acids. Dude, amino asylum, man. <laughs> Look into my link tree. Look into the control F shorts list. Come on, dude. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Thoughts on two times per day training. Uh, I loved it when I had nothing else to do. <laughs> when I was running like... That was the time when I run high, high test cycles, right? Between 500 milligrams to 2,500 milligram cycles. I did like two a days. So I trained my major muscle group in the morning and then later in the evening, a small muscle group. And I had a great time, dude. But yeah, if you go to the gym, you train and then you come back and then you have your post-workout meal and a little bit of a nap and a little bit of a cooling off period. And you do that twice per day. Uh, there's not so much time for anything else. So right now I just train once per day and I get great results maintaining my physique i back then i was growing in a caloric deficit uh, taking a good amount of testosterone uh but yeah a lot of a lot of uh you know ivb pros and other athletes swear by it i mean you have that uh, bulgarian split training where they go into the gym like seven times per day and hit like 80 percent of their max lift or something like that I, i'm not entirely sure but they would do like these micro workouts multiple times per day so there's definitely something to say for it but you obviously need the time to uh you know to make that happen yeah so so uh, if you're an athlete and you have the money and you have uh, all the extra time go for it dude it was great for me it was absolutely great for me uh, 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 uh. hey uh, coach question i caught hepatitis a and my liver enzymes are 10 times 10 times over the reference range any protocol you recommend to get better asap uh yeah go to a doctor I don't know. I don't know, buddy. Um, I mean, hepatitis A is, is food poisoning, right? Or is it hepatitis C? Hepatitis C. I like how you guys think that I have the answers for everything, but... <laughs> Ingestion of contaminated food, yeah. Uh, go to the doctor, get some IV antibiotics, and, and, and pass it through, right? So uh, th that would be my uh, recommendation. Just seek some medical help, right? That's what they're there for. And, and get it fixed. Uh, I don't know. I, the hepatitis A, you don't get in the context of taking performance sensing drugs. So I, I really don't know. I really don't know, dude. Sorry. I hope you get be uh, better soon because 
you know, hepatitis A is no joke, right? And that, uh, you know, the only real lesson you can learn from that is not to eat street food, right? <laughs> I mean, Asia, Asia, South America, ooh, crazy place. Bill K, blood pressure is at 115 to 58. No blood pressure medication. I do my fasted morning cardio, but a resting heart rate is around 75 to 80. Is it worrying? Should I start a beta blocker or leave it until it gets higher? So your blood pressure is too low and your heart rate is too high. Um, you might be deficient in sodium. Might be deficient in sodium. I think magnesium is totally fine because your blood pressure is good, but your blood volume might be so low due to the lack of sodium that your heart now has to pump uh, significantly faster to keep the blood volume somewhat intact. All right, so maybe start supplementing with sodium. Um, that will be my first thing to look into. And uh, let's see. Not a beta blocker, not any anything to control your blood pressure. Dude, I would just have more sodium. Yeah. Have more sodium. Yeah, that might not be the right solution, but that, you know, based on the information that you give me, uh, that will be my first um, thing to kind of look into. Yeah, exactly. It needs more fluids and electrolytes. Yeah, it's very, very likely that that's it. Yeah, low blood volumes of sodium and uh, and fluids. Jackson, hello, what's up, buddy? Jordy, what's up? Oh, thanks, coach, for the super chat. Right, <laughs> my pleasure, man. Get it, get it, get it diagnosed. Omagert, Om, uh, Om, Omergand, Yes, whatever. Uh, best thumbnail ever. Hey, Steve, just checking in. That video was Roman was legendary. Yeah, thank you. It was a great conversation with Roman. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe we can do some more in the future because you guys really seem to like that one. We got 10,000 views in uh, two days. That's it. Uh, it's fucking good. Push the anabolic to androgenic rating video uh, right off uh, number one. <laughs> nice work, Roman. Fuck, man. Three weeks I spent on that video. And one and a half hours with Roman, he just wipes out all my gains. <laughs> no, but Robin is a good guy, man. That's good people, right? One of the, the realest IFB pros that are out there right now. All right. Let's see. Uh, HCG pregnant price just increased to $180 for a 10,000 uh, 10, IU file to 250 IUs here in America. I mean, it's your own fault. Or at least half of America's fault because you guys voted for the wrong guy. So right? So <laughs> don't you know, blame half of the population. Uh for somebody on five hundred IOs three times a week, how long uh is each 10k vial good for after reconstituting? Love you. Okay, so if you reconstitute it with bacterial static water, it's good for about 10 to 14 days. Sterile water, maybe seven days. Um, and then uh, sodium chlorides. Oh no, sterile water is like three days, four days. And then uh, sodium chloride water, a normal saline solution is maybe a week, right? So um, what I would do is uh, is uh, go to anabolic pharmacist, buy yourself uh, a couple of pens of Merck Ovitril, which is already pre-constituted. Uh, pre and then you transfer 500 IUs or you transfer the full syringe of half a milliliter into a sterile vial. You mix bacteriostatic water in there. And then um, you transfer that all into uh, 
sterile insulin syringes and then you keep that for the next uh four weeks i think that's pretty doable right because it's the constant puncturing of the sterile valve and letting all the air in but if you mix it and you take uh you transfer the the liquid to insulin syringes which don't have any air in it then i think it's not going to denature or break down or lose bioavailability within four weeks not many people do it like that i've used the uh, ovitrol uh merc ovitrol like this myself but it's very hard to transfer it directly to insulin syringes because the concentration is very very high and the, the milliliter amount is so low so if you do a thousand ius hcg uh, three times per week then it's uh what was it uh, eight iu on the insulin syringe but 500 ius is only four iu on the insulin syringe right so you're literally doing two drops over uh what six thousand iu so that's uh yeah 12 12 insulin syringes it's kind of cumbersome yeah Let's see. Happy holidays. Greetings from Finland to you, Steve. Happy holidays to you too. Merry fucking Christmas next week, dude. I hope you gather uh, to good rest and relax with your family. Uh, I wish, dude. <laughs> I appreciate the content you produce a lot. So big thanks to that. Uh, yeah, so I've been producing content left and right. I got a boatload of videos in the pipeline and I'm trying to record as many as I can. Um, so my editor has a boatload of work to do back to back and then I'll start making my own videos uh, in between again um, because uh, unfortunately the, the editors that applied, uh, yeah, I, I can't really say that those were suitable. So. Uh, at one point, I'll just look, uh, I don't know, then uh, onlinejobs.ph or something. So in the meantime, I'm just going to do it myself uh, with the editor that I already have. Uh, my family is in Holland. <laughs> so I'll uh, call in for Christmas for Skype, uh, with Skype or uh, Zoom or something like that. And um, yeah, but Monday, this is vlogging time. Monday, I will take all of the bodybuilders, a group of probably 15 people, Instead of Cheesecake Factory, we're going to go to the Christmas buffet over at the Marriott Marquis. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Buffet. I'll bring the camera, right? The vlog. How many views did I get on that? Uh, not that it's always about the views, but it's just, that you know, it's like it has to be worth the editing time. So we got 4,000 views for the editing time. Yeah, that's, that's worth it. Right? Like if you look at the view to editing time, right? The anabolic to androgenic rating has 8,000 views, right? And the Cheesecake Factory uh, Mission Accomplished video has 4,000 views. That Cheesecake Factory, I was already there and it took me like 30 minutes to edit that video together. The anabolic to androgenic rating video with double the views, uh, that took weeks and, and well, $1,500 worth of editing uh, expense. Yeah. How much, how much money did I make on that? Analytics. Oh, fucking get myocarditis when I look at that. Okay, so I made $90 in that video. <laughs> I spent over $1,500. <sighs> and you guys say that I'm stingy. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> right? I should just do reaction videos. Anyway um good response, so it's well worth it. So, yeah, I, I will, we're going to do a, a food vlog again because it's uh, it's a lot of fun to do food vlogs and uh even though the views are low uh, the uh, investment uh, <laughs> of time is reasonably low and i'm there anyway so might as well film it right 
so I can get out of my shell a little bit next time I go to the US can actually do some fucking vlogs, which I always seem to forget. So uh, yeah, ha Merry Christmas to you too and everybody else, right? Enjoy uh, your fucking holidays. Iron Grid, well, Steve, what platform do you use for streaming again or software? I mean, I use StreamYard. And I think you already mentioned something to me about other stream stuff. Um, so, you know, with, with Super Chats that I get more of a commission. But everybody's on YouTube, dude. I mean, everybody's subscribed here. So what can you do? All right. Uh, Juan D. Uh, John Doe. <laughs> Juan Doe. Uh, uh Anavari and Clomiphene, good combo for recomp, don't be mad. Uh I mean yeah, you can do it, but yeah, dude, promise me that you get your recomp done in eight weeks because in Clomiphene, I don't think it's sustainable, dude. I mean, look at all the side effects. It's lengthy. Right? So I just made I made a video about how to run SERM safely, where I also mentioned in Clomiphene, but I don't think that Enclomiphene is sustainable. So if you must, if you don't want to inject because your your girlfriend doesn't like you injecting or you have a roommate or your parents are absolutely uh tyrannical and they they can't find a syringe in your room otherwise they deport you uh to a boarding school then then you know uh, if you must you must right you can't run var and, a, and an over-the-counter test booster that's not going to work you're still going to be shut down so if you must var and enclomiphene uh 25 milligrams of each eight weeks at maximum all right also, Merry Christmas, you bastards, yeah. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, and Happy New Year. Only 40-year-old fuckers will know this reference. <laughs> All right, where are we? You want to eat them out of business? Oh, I ate, I ate somebody out of business, yeah. <laughs> She's sleeping right now. <laughs> hey. Uncle Steve still got it. <laughs> Just in love with my own jokes. <laughs> uh, next week is going to be even more fun. Yeah, but make sure you watch the beginning of this video about the Boozer's Q&A. Next week, we're going to get trashed. Yeah, live on camera. And if I... If I uh, <laughs> if my wife has to come down at six in the morning to pick me up, then uh, so be it. <laughs> Steve's a dirty dog. Yeah. Dude, you have no idea, man. Oh, my God. The older I get, the more experience. I mean, look at that. You, get, you think you get that for free? <laughs> look at that. Mm. Hard as a rock. Yeah, if you know, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Dorian. <laughs> All right, next one. Opinions on 250 milligrams uh, cystin up a week, 125 milligrams DHB, and 50 milligrams mint acetate. Uh, something that I should really keep an eye on. Uh, well, your liver enzymes are going to be elevated. Your uh, lipids are going to be skewed. Your kidney markers are going to be skewed, which is the same as any other steroid cycle. So... Um, I did DHB, I don't think it's sufficient enough to lower your serum estradiol levels uh, for this amount of testosterone. And the trestolone will, of course, increase your estradiol levels. 
Uh, so you have uh, 300 milligrams aromatizing compounds and only or aromatizable compounds and only 125 milligrams of DHB to a limited conversion, which is basically uh, a little bit over, excuse me, a little bit over one third of uh, what you're taking, right? That can aromatize. So uh, I would say run aromacin preventatively, do some blood work before to see where your estradiol levels are at. Then uh, go on the cycle, 250 milligrams sustenone, 125 milligrams DHB, and 50 milligrams uh, tristolone with daily micro-administrations. And then four weeks into it, check your serum estradiol levels to see how much aromacin you need to take, right? And keep some Novidex on hand just in case estradiol surges and uh, you get full-blown gyno before you go in for blood work, right? So this is uh, something you would need to keep an eye on. Keep your eye on that gyno, bro. Yeah, keep your, keep your big, big, fat, white eyes. Is he growing yet? Is he growing yet? Fucking eat Novidix. All right. Make sure you have a blood work place in place. Uh, let's see. Did I forget something? Wando. Uh, Rudy. What's your opinion on Bromantane? Uh, looks promising, but I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'll include it in the Entrepreneur Deep Dive video. Uh, what we're going to do is just do one uh, nootropic at a time. Because, uh, again, uh, you know, th this uh, part two was uh, 30 minutes per chapter. And there's like three, you know, four chapters. So if I do a Bromantane video, it's just a Bromantane video. Uh, but I have no opinion on it, even though it does look promising. Uh, but it seems that it's a little bit difficult to source, right? Uh, Cosmic Nootropic doesn't uh, carry it anymore. I don't think that Science Bio has it. I don't think that um what is it uh, some of the other uh uh nootropic websites has it so um don't have to plug it for me i wouldn't be able to use it right now because i'm still trying to get my wife pregnant so the experiments are uh paused right so uh, but i'll have an opinion on it when i get to that video and then you'll get to watch that video for free all right where are we my pleasure buddy jackson coach steve our hrd doc is telling we can run hcg pregnal year-round what are your thoughts on that especially the us can only prescribe 10k vials now i feel like most might go to waste uh yeah um i, I think year-round is fine i mean i've been using it for a year straight and it doesn't lose any effective effective Fuck, man. It doesn't lose any effectiveness, right? My nuts are still full. My semen parameters are still stellar. My hoardiness is still off the scale. So, uh, but I run Merck Ovitrel, recombinant HCG, not uh, Pregnil HCG, which is your impurified HCG. So, um, I think you can run it year round, but if you start mixing in the trimbalone, the nandrolone, or the tristolone, which can deactivate, uh, you know, a testicular function through the progesterone receptor and the androgen receptor, and raising serum estradiol levels, so you get it through the estrogen receptors as well, uh, then HCG is probably not going to work. If anything, it makes your testicles smaller, right? Especially on trimbalone. You add in the HCG, testicles grow up a little bit, then they get smaller. And you're like, what the fuck? And you put more HCG in the picture, and then they get even smaller. It's just a clusterfuck. So. If you're on TRT, I think year-round HCG is totally fine. And again, if you can't get it from your prescribing physician and it's too expensive, jokes on them. They're forcing you to source it on the undercount scene. What is a man to do? You know? Or 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 you just get a Dominican passport and you start paying taxes somewhere else and you tell them to go fuck themselves. 
you know, <laughs> you can do that too. It's a little bit more cumbersome, right? But that's the ultimate fuck you to the government. <laughs> nice try. I don't agree. I'm going to live somewhere else and pay taxes somewhere else. See you later. Right. And then if you want to take some HCG, you have all the finances to pay for it out of pocket. <laughs> you know? And honestly, dude, HCG in the black market is way cheaper than $250 uh, for 10,000 IUs. How can I super chat when the dollar sign not showing next to the chat box? I don't know. I've never super chatted anybody in my life. <laughs> I've did super stickers though. I think I sent a, a couple people donation through PayPal. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. How can I super chat when the dollar sign? Dude, I fucking don't know, man. Super chats are elusive to me. You know, sometimes it doesn't work probably because you guys use some sort of keyword that's added to the spam filter. Guys, next week is the Boozer's Vigors Q&A, right? Should we take a risk? Should I unblock everybody and remove all the words, words from the spam filter so we can have like, uh, you know, like the, the fucking craziest, legendary, no-holds-barred evening next weekend? Should I do that? It's very risky, though. <laughs> it's very risky, though. <laughs> You guys are not gonna like the answer to certain questions. Yeah, yeah. Especially if I'm intoxicated, and then 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 fuck all the all the limiters are off. Right? The decibels will go up until the point that you uh, get deaf. So uh, I'm not sure why the super chats are not uh, working. VPN sometimes prevents super chatting. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe your super chats are just too low. Uh, maybe you should just do ten dollars or more. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jackson, uh, Coach Steve, congrats on hundred k. You're the best. Thank you very much. I still have this um, unboxed, which I totally forgot to show last weekend, but I still remembered. I've been so busy, dude. Yeah, there you go. Look at that, Figure Steve for passing hundred thousand subs. Fuck yeah! Back in the box. Back in the box, you only get one of these, and the next goal is one million subs with uh, with the amount of swearing and drug content that I do. I doubt it, but you guys are willing to prove me wrong. I mean, if Psych, Sub Psych Substance got the two million subs, right? So it is possible. Uh, well, I think he's got two million subs. So yeah, if you talk about drugs, it has to be recreational drugs. Man, that's, that's like an afterthought. Hugario. Thoughts on IGF-1 LR3. Ideal dose and time on and off. How can we decrease organ growth, prevent uh, growth from gut? Smaller meals. Have you ever used Epitalon? Yeah, I've, I've used Epitalon a couple times uh, while fasting. Um, but it's so hard to measure uh, telomere length that I'm, I'm not even sure if it's working. <laughs> so, and there's no uh, test here in Thailand where you can check for telomere length. So um, maybe later on when I get older, I'll, I'll run it more often. It just is a preventative measure, right? But uh, for now, I would say, I, I think I look youthful enough. So uh, thoughts on IGF-1 LR3 is uh, great if you can source Increlex, which is the large majority of the people. So let's not, let's not, 
poke any fingers in it um no no stabby comments please uh, i think igf1 lr3 is great if your source is great right ideal dose is uh, anywhere between 50 micrograms bilaterally up to 500 micrograms bilaterally so that's a gram or a milligram not a gram fuck that would be way too much <laughs> one milligram igf1 no wait a minute yeah one milligram right yeah sheet yeah it's, it's 500 micrograms per side okay so one milligram per day uh up to 21 days and then one week off so you can do it on the calendar you can uh, do the first 21 days of the month on igf1 lr3 you find out your sweet spot for most people that's like 250 micrograms to 500 micrograms bilaterally so that's double the dose obviously because you do two administrations you do intramuscular administrations into the muscle group that you're going to train um and then you run that for 21 days off seven to ten days or 21 days on and seven to 10 days off, right? And during your off days, if you want, you can crush your serum IGF-1 levels by taking some metformin, improve your insulin sensitivity. And then by the time you take IGF-1 LR3 again, or Incolex for that matter, or IGF-1-DES, then it seems to work a little bit more effectively, right? You take the metformin out, you replace that for IGF-1, uh, a formula that you can get your hands on, and then you're pumped for days. Um, so that seems to uh, work the best. And of course, if you do uh, IGF-1 formulas intramuscularly, it tends to go less systemic, albeit that will still go systemic, whether you do subcutaneous or intramuscular. Um, but if you do intramuscular pre-workout where a lot of the IGF-1 is utilized um, to increase the pump and um, let's see, nutrient partitioning, et cetera, then, uh, and you know, you get some localized uh, muscle growth hypertrophy out of that, then it should technically on paper induce less organ growth. Um, but of course, as the dose goes higher, more of this IGF-1 can go systemic. And if you combine it with growth hormone and insulin and a lot of foods and simple sugars, then yeah, the, the likelihood that you increase your organ weight or, uh, or organ size or, um, you know, visceral fat buildup uh, becomes more likely, right? So you have to do everything right, basically. Live like a full-time bodybuilder, time your meals, eat right, do your injections, and uh, practice your vacuums. And then I think it's... Uh, yeah, less likely to happen. Even then in the off season, your, your stomach is going to be big <laughs> because you eat a lot of food. I test with AI and HCG or test with Primo and HCG. Um, well, the first option is a lot more cheaper because tests comparatively to Primo is cheaper. So you can uh, run more growth hormone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's how you have to, let's say you can spend uh, $1,000 on your cycle. Now that's, let's see, an ampule of tests is like $4, right? $5. Yeah, I mean, I get the best results off the first option, but if, if money is not an option, then cosmetically you're going to look better on test and premium plus HCG or a, a growth hormone, right? So, um, yeah, but, but what is CHF? What is that? CHF, CHF. Oh. CHF to US dollars. Swiss franc. But it said it's two dollars thirty. It says so. I think money is an option. Is money is not uh money is a little bit of a problem for you based on the amount of super chats. Right? <laughs> Just joking. I would go with high test in AI and uh growth hormone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a video on this. You know, let me link it down below in case you guys forgot. Um and I took I accidentally took 2,500 milligrams of testosterone. That was the 
Where is it? All right, got it. I'll link it down below. Give that video a watch. Uh, I think it's still one of my best cycles ever, dude. Give it a watch. All right, second from the top. Uh, Jesse R, how long can I run uh, HCG before introducing serums for restoring HPTA? Uh, does longer, shorter time make any difference? All the best. Um, so if you plan to come off steroids completely, I would run HCG for a couple months. So you have normal testicular function at least, right? And then uh, you take all the exogenous steroids out. You keep running the HCG. Maybe you uh, go HCG solo for six to eight weeks. Let the exogenous steroids decline, right? I'm not entirely sure what steroids you're taking. So if you take Nandrolone, uh, you might want to do, uh, you know, TRT for a year with HCG to kind of get used to that feeling. I let all of the nandrolone metabolites, uh, you know, uh, clear from your system so they don't have a suppressive effect on your HPTA anymore. And same for trembolone or, or, you know, other harsh compounds, right? Let all the metabolites clear your system, stay on TRT and HCG at the same time till you have, um, you know, some normal testosterone levels and, and testicular function improves. Then you take the TRT out, you keep the HCG in for maybe four to six weeks. Then you take the ATG out and then you can either start uh, with serums from one day to the next. But if you want to let your serum estradiol levels decline so you don't have a negative feedback, um, even though you're taking serums by blocking the estrogen receptors, right? Then you start your serums then, the Clomid, Nolvidex, etc. Right, so it's a step-by-step -step process. I also have a video about that. Let me link it for you, BCT. Psychotherapy for dummies. Oh man, it looks so jacked in this one. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, it's linked down below, bro. Uh, would you change something in stack that you mentioned? Would you change something in the stack that I mentioned? Uh, let me scroll up, Dorian. Yeah, I would do 250 milligrams cystinone and 250 milligrams of Primo. Duh. And added some growth hormone. Right? A DHB and mint sound very exciting on paper, but most people that I know that experiment with, experience, experiment with DHB and mint, they run it once or twice, and then they uh, run away screaming because the post-injection pain is quite brutal. And the benefits that they get from DHB or mint solo or in combination is not anywhere... Um, more exciting than the benefits they would get from Primo or Trimbalone, right? The tried and proven compounds, which have been used for decades now. So um, feel free to run the experiment, man. I'm all for experimentation. Uh, figure out a higher truth by yourself. And then um, and then if, uh, ask yourself if you want to run that stack again, right? Uh, ask yourself, because I mean, it looks like a fine stack to me. If you're doing everything right, you will get results regardless of the steroids that you use uh, most of the steroids just give you know a little bit of a unique characteristic but in the end it all boils down to the same fucking thing dude right it's just cosmetically you look a little bit different mm -mm. rami i all right thank you Thank you very much. I don't see a question. Ryan, are you doing stupid, stupid questions? 
Hmm. Ryan, I'm not sure what you're on about. Where are we? Sultan Caesar. I saw your T3 and T4 video, but can you recap it for us again? Jesus Christ. Go watch the video. <laughs> because I'm thinking about taking it sooner after I get my blood work done. No, just go watch the video. <laughs> I can't recap that 30 minute video in five minutes. Go watch it again. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> you guys are so fucking lazy. Here, thyroid. I'll link it down below. That's all I'm going to do for you, dude. Recap it again. Jesus Christ, man. 28 minutes. <laughs> Take your iodine and selenium and come back in a month. And if you want to take your body to the thermometer, just stick it up your ass. <laughs> Summarize it again. Get out of here, dude. Uh, hey, Steve, how worried do we have to be about soy and phytoestrogens while on test? Honestly, I don't think it's that much of a difference unless you really hammer the soy and the phytoestrogens, obviously. Um, it seems to be more problematic when you're uh, drug-free, right? Because the phytoestrogens in soy can have some sort of negative effect on your HPTA by acting as an estrogen and thus lowering LH and FSH production. Um, but, you know, soy and phytoestrogens can also make you feel off, right? If they have some sort of estrogen-like effects, and your serum estradiol levels are already, you know, somewhat normal or super or, or higher, then, then you get these increased estrogen burden. So I would recommend everybody to stay away from phytoestrogens or soy entirely, right? Don't be a soy boy, right? Don't be a beta male. Um, and even if you're on testosterone, it just pays off to pay extra special attention to your health and make sure you uh, get nutrients so you can build muscle and, and be cognitive and be masculine and all that good stuff. All right. So just stay away from it. And if you're a vegan, well, then, I don't know, consider a career change. Right. Fire P. John, what effects on estrogen does boldenone do? <laughs> Anti-estrogen, suicidal estrogen, aromatized inhibitor, inhibitor. Inhibitor, Jesus. Uh, so from everything that I was able to piece together, uh, equipoise might uh, metabolize either into methyl estradiol or esterone. And then when bold, uh, that's in the liver. And equipoise uh, can act as an aromatized inhibitor because equipoise or uh, the metabolized dihydroboldenone, uh, right, uh, ends up in the aromatized enzyme and temporarily blocks the conversion of testosterone into estradiol. It's not a suicidal aromatized inhibitor like aromacin or um, what is it? Uh, the other one. Ah, shit, what is it called? It's no longer on the market. Never mind. Um, so yeah, it's an anti-estrogen uh, aromatized inhibitor by temporarily blocking the conversion of testosterone into estradiol. But uh, since equipoise can also raise estrone levels, which can convert into estradiol, estradiol levels might still be elevated in some individuals, right? We have a lot of this enzyme that converts estrone into estradiol and vice versa. So uh, right, you have to look into the total picture. Basically, anti-estrogens are SERMs. Suicidal inhibitors are... Um, uh, aromacin and the other one that the name just eludes me somehow and aromatized inhibitors are uh well uh basically dht derivatives and um uh, in this case boldenone as well or dihydroboldenone which is a, a five alpha reduced uh, boldenone derivative
People are willing to donate to get TLong DRE and DOT, but do not want to do the research themselves. Well, I mean, watching a 30 minute video is not even doing the research, right? <laughs> it's just sitting there and 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 watching 30 minutes. I mean, if you don't have 30 minutes, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. If I fucking know, dude. <laughs> the longer I do this, the more it baffles me, honestly. <laughs> oh, did you watch? Did you watch TMZ? Yeah, I did. Can you summarize the T4 and T3 for me? <laughs> no, just watch something instead, dude. Just watch that video. I don't even remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on steroid videos right now. I don't even remember what I said. At the time, I remembered. But right now, I don't exactly remember what I put in that video. So the best, best thing the guy can do is just to watch that video. And if you don't have 30 minutes to figure it out, then, then I mean, you must be really busy, dude. <laughs> you must be really busy. Uh, Hamad, does subcutaneous administration's long-term cause the skin to thicken and lose details in the muscle? It kind of depends on what you're injecting. So if you're injecting um, a carrier oil that's, um, you know, organic, castor oil, MCT oil, sesame seed oil, cottonseed oil, etc., then I don't think that it's going to lose uh, detail uh, in the muscle. But like Aroma Fritz just mentioned, I mean, one of his buddies was just kind of systematically injecting in the sub-Q uh, issue of his lower abs, and now he got a fat pouch, right? But... Of course, if you're smart, uh, you start realizing that you have to rotate. And then when the fat pouch starts to occur or, or certain areas become thicker, then you would assume that you would rotate, right? So the, I think it's a grave mistake for that guy on his part. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, it can thicken the skin or at least around the time that the injection is absorbed. That's why most people would stop injections seven days, 10 days before stepping on stage. And if you do step on stage and you still do subcutaneous administrations, which I don't think uh, most people do, right? They still go with intramuscular administrations. But if you go sub-Q, then you would literally have to inject in between your butt cheeks because that's the only place that's uh, covered by your posing trunks. <laughs> so yeah, cumbersome. Uh, but I don't think you lose detail in the muscle. No, no. But uh, to be fair, uh, I've done, uh, you know, cycles sub-Q entirely on my upper glutes, uh, but I don't get sure enough there to uh, say that I lost definition, right? My lower glutes are separated, but my upper glutes are not because I still have a little bit of fat tissue there. And I did a boatload of intramuscular administrations there. So I don't, the muscle isn't as separated as it would be uh, if I never did that, right? So it's hard to tell. Yeah, but you got to inject it somewhere and wherever you inject, you're going to have to make some compromises and sacrifices. You will certainly lose definition, whether you do sub-Q or intramuscularly. Yeah. Sebastian, best way to start and process a cut, Kells or cardio? Best ways to start and pro, pro, progress a cut. Man, let me decipher that a little bit. Best way to start a cut. Okay. Uh, first, you take out the condiments of your house. Take all the condiments out, right? Clean out the cabinet so you don't feel, um, uh, um, you know, uh, needed to add in all the spices and stuff and sugars and the barbecue sauce and the ketchup. So you remove all the condiments. You go with dry spices that don't have any sugar or extra hidden calories. And then uh, you add in the cardio, which you should be doing year round, you lazy fuck. I, I do it year round. <laughs> so you should too, right? It, of course, it doesn't, uh, you know, play out that way, but you should just do some cardio year round, man. So you, you keep the cardio in and you start cleaning up your diet and maybe you get some results uh, from that as well. 
right? And then you don't have to do anything crazy. You just add in a little bit of cardio, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, do a little bit of abs in the morning, take out the condiments, and you start losing fat. Easy, right? Easy peasy. And then once that doesn't work anymore, you reduce the, the carbohydrates a little bit to compensate by increasing the protein slightly. And then you maybe increase the cardio. And you do this a couple of times. You do this a couple of times to the point you're uh, feeling that reducing the calories more would make you lose, uh, you know, a training capacity, strength, workout performance. And then uh, then you either increase the, the anabolic steroids you're taking or you add in the fat burners. I mean, it's, it's, it's very simple if you break it down like that. And all you have to do is adhere to these basic guidelines and uh, not to look in the mirror like, oh, I'm flat, I need to go eat a boatload of pizza. No, no, you want it to be lean, now suffer. Now suffer. Yeah, I've been dieting for a long time. I'm, f I'm, I'm fucking lean. <laughs> But I will show you middle of uh, January. Yeah, I'll show you middle of January. First, I got to get this Christmas and New Year out of the way. Then a couple of weeks of cleaning up. In the middle of January, I've been off cycle for uh, close to, uh, for basically a year. And then I'll show you guys what's possible uh, if you just keep your head in the game. Yeah, and, and use a little bit of growth hormone. All right, so uh, get it started step by step and make adjustments as you go along. Amadeo Corporation. I know you're not a fan, but would you say that adding HCG to a SERMs only cycle is uh, any way beneficial? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mentioned in how to run SERMs uh, safely. But again, it's with the editor. So it's been with the editor for two weeks, but he's he was working on the anabolic to androgenic rating video, which takes uh, you know days to edit. Uh, my cycle is RAD140 and YK11 and in clomiphene. I've done cycles of each with okay blood work changes. Okay, so yeah, that would work. Right, a RAD140 is a, a SARM, a YK11 is a steroidal SARM, and clomiphene is a selective estrogen receptor modulator. It will work, uh, but scientific evidence on all three combined is less than 125 studies. It doesn't really make it sustainable. So, I mean, there's some clinical uh, some clinical trials on RAD140, none on YK11, and of course, uh, some some a good amount of scientific evidence on enclomaphene. I think it's about 90 studies. Uh, so give those a read, right? Give those a read and then uh, convince yourself it's, if it's sustainable or not. I don't think it's sustainable, uh, the RAD140 and the YK11 and enclomaphene. Um, but, you know, the limited scientific evidence is very promising. Just like folistatin gene therapy, scientific evidence looks very, very promising. Made a video about that too. My editor is working on it. Um, and even in clomiphene looks promising. But again, time will tell. And if there's an alternative, why don't you go with the try and prove an alternative uh, over something that's experimental? And again, I'm not against using experimental compounds uh, like 5-amino-1-MQ and all these other stuff because there's no alternative. <laughs> You can't replace it with anything else. But enclomiphene you can replace with HCG. YK11 you can replace with Tremblone. And RAD140 you can replace with testosterone or any other um, steroid um, you know, that acts the, through the androgen receptor as well. So, And then you have a lot of scientific evidence to make proper decisions with. So in this context, RAD140, YK11, and HCG, yeah, it would work. I've seen the blood work. It will work. Right? So, so you know, uh, at least you're um you know you got your gateway injection in place right first you do the oral only cycle around with 40 yk11 and enclomiphene all orals and now you take the enclomiphene out you add in the hcg and you suddenly realize that subcutaneous microadministrations big fucking deal it'll be two months before you're on test two months 
maximum. You're like, fuck, this is so fucking easy. I can just inject my testosterone uh, subcutaneously. And then you do testosterone with HCG and RAD140 and YK11. And then you realize that adding in Primo or Trimbalone or any other steroids for that matter, uh, gives you better gains. And your blood flow parameters are probably better for the same amount of milligrams and gains that you're getting. So yeah, uh, uh, welcome to the club soon. Amadeo. Uh, YKQ45. After stopping gear and TRT, my concern is low cortisol levels on blood work. Any advice on why it's low and how to raise it without taking hydrocortisone? Um, I mean, it, uh, cortisol is a moment in time, right? Do you experience any low uh, or effect like adrenal fatigue, right? A, a lack of norepinephrine and adrenaline response, uh, sleepiness throughout the day, right? Uh, if you're experiencing all of that, then there might be a concern, but there might be more overlapping going on, right? Maybe you need to do a Dutch saliva test to see where your neuros, um, neurosteroids uh, metabolites are at, right? So um, I can't really do much with this, honestly, right? It could be a multitude of different causes. And, and I don't see a reason why you would ever want to raise your cortisol levels unless you have a medical need to. And since I am not qualified to diagnose you medically, uh, right? <laughs> Discuss it with a doctor. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not really sure, buddy. Colin, do you notice poor absorption of uh, meds and supplements with GLP-1s? Got severe anhedonia on terzepidate because DHA and pregnenolone absorption was poor on TRT. Uh, no, I don't experience that at all when I was running uh, terzepidate or uh, semaglutide or liraglutide. Uh, maybe it's because I take apple cider vinegar with each meal and I don't take very high dosages, right? The recommended dosages that they use in the medical field way too fucking high, way too fucking high. I like a low dose of liraglutide, semaglutide, and terzepidide uh, goes a very long way. And if you keep the dose low and you can still eat, right, it's not blunting your appetite to the point you can't even eat or digest anything, then I don't think it's going to be a problem. And otherwise, take something uh, with it to increase your uh, stomach acidity, like uh, apple cider vinegar or betaine hydrochloride, right? I mean, I'm sure it will help you with the digestion of DHA and pregnenolone. And otherwise, take the DHA and pregnenolone on an empty stomach, uh, give it like 30 minutes to absorb, and then eat your meal, right? So I think the poor food absorption is just when you overdo the GLP ones, right? I mean, half a milligram of terzepidite, up to one milligram terzepidite three times per week, more than enough, dude. Quarter milligram, half a milligram semaglutide three times a week, more than enough. 0 0.6 to 1.2 milligrams liraglutide per day, more than enough. And then you skip on Sundays so you can actually eat. Um, and what they use medically, like, fuck, what was it? Five milligrams uh, semaglutide once a week? Semaglutide dose increments. Why can't I find it? Oh, two, two milligrams a week. Okay, that's not too bad. 2.4 milligrams per week. But people are running like 15 milligrams of something. Semiglutide dosage. Ah, oh, it's going to take forever. Subcutaneous. Okay. Maximum dose, one milligram per week. I thought it went up to like way higher. 
don't know probably have to uh do some more research all right so um if you're not absorbing it right take it on an empty stomach maybe take some apple cider vinegar and then it should absorb just normally and if you're getting anhedonia it's probably from the lack of calories from longer periods of time not just the dha and pregnenolone yeah i also feel a little bit numb when i've been dieting for a very long time and my dha and pregnenolone levels are perfectly normal Uh, Ed Mark, why do orals crush HDL so much compared to injectable? Uh, well, injectable have an ester attachment, so it has a much longer half-life. And injectable steroids, they uh, don't really pass the liver twice. Maybe once, but not twice. So uh, when orals, um, uh, when you take oral steroids, it crushes the, the, the HDL more because there's uh, a lipase enzyme that breaks down HDL in the liver. And I think if you take oral steroids, this lipase enzyme is upregulated and thus you break down more HDL molecules and less are available in serum. Yeah, so that's that's basically it. Thoughts on science-based lifters? I mean, they change their minds all the time. <laughs> study of the week oh gotta change my mind now yeah this this study shows that i have to do uh, weighted stretches and and then and dude dante trudel has been talking about that shit forever and it was bro science until a scientific study came out and now everybody's doing it i mean i'll say it again science-based whether that's those are lifters or people in the steroid education space guys that are purely science-based lack experience lack fucking experience no real world practical applications right they hide behind scientific evidence because they have no real world practical applications men real men with practical real world uh, practical act with real world practical application they use the scientific evidence but don't hide behind it right you can use the scientific evidence to prove a point right i do this because of this reason and the scientific evidence here shows that it might be beneficial for this and this reason but in the same context a real man also reviews all of the scientific literature and highlights when another study shows that there might be a negative effect of doing something uh, for a particular reason right so this is why i always include all of the scientific evidence not just one study right the guys who use one study or an abstract fucking pathetic really fucking pathetic and the guys that constantly change their minds because a new study shows xyz fucking pathetic really really fucking pathetic all right your experience will determine which road to follow and if you have no experience okay use scientific evidence it's fine maybe at one point you'll get there <laughs> but if you keep hiding behind it then you will never get there all right so uh that's why i always do it my way and if i want to interpret the scientific evidence uh, i'll do it myself and not rely on anybody else to do it for me because in many cases they grossly misunderstand the scientific evidence anyway and as you guys see uh I, i'm poking holes left and right into these studies validly and you see how much of the scientific community is full of shit anyway right? so <laughs> you know take it all with a grain of salt man in the end you have to do what's best for you so if you, if if the science goes against it but you get results lifting a certain way you have my 100 support you have my 100 support i don't give a fuck what the scientific evidence says if you have a good workout and you get results and all of your connective tissue is intact right you're not breaking your body in half go for it dude Fucking go for it have fun 
Training is supposed to be fun. You're not supposed to go to the gym with 25 studies in the back of your head. I got to execute it this way. You're not having fun, dude. All these guys are close to suicide. Trust me. These guys are fucking miserable training like that, right? They're all... Really? Well, whatever. I hope that, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Uh, Luke, no question here, Steve. Just wanted to say thank you for all that you do. Uh, you can't imagine how much info you uh, has allowed me to take control of my health. Fuck yeah, Luke. That's what I want to hear. That's what we do it for. Nice work. And plenty more videos along the way. So um, you're in for a wild ride in 2024. For sure. All right, next one. And Grata Occult, if you had to pick one ingredient from Respawn as your favorite nootropic, which one would it be? A uridine 5-monophosphate. 100%. Yeah, uridine 5-monophosphate. I love that shit. I mean, it's so versatile. Mm. So versatile. It's, um, I like it. I like it a lot. It's, it, it gives you motivation, it gives you cognition, gives you focus. It's so much more than the, you know the choline contribute, um, the the uridine con con contribution. Jesus Christ! Sometimes these words lose me, man. So much more than the uridine contribution or the the choline uh, increase that you get downstream, right? Uridine five monophosphate. Yeah, uh, but if I had a favorite nootropic, it would be. Um, Still like modafinil yeah i still like modafinil it's just 50 milligrams and then the end of the day holy shit look at all the shit i got done today <laughs> yeah not that it makes you more inspired or it gets you to connect to a part of your brain but if you take modafinil in combination with you know the gorilla mind respawn and uh some injectable l-carnitine i mean creativity for days dude <laughs> creativity for days Yeah, terzepidide max dose 15 milligrams. Of course, you're not absorbing anything. I got a couple members. Did I forget some member questions? All right. See, so many super chats, guys. Uh, let's answer this one. A fitness Mastro versus Primo on or off season. What's your opinion? Are they interchangeable? Now, I think that Primo ball is superior to Mastro for muscle building purposes, or at least what I see in most people that they're running Primo at the comparable dose that they're much fuller. I would say that you get similar suppression in estradiol level. So you still need a testosterone base. So, but there, there are guys that swear with Mastro, you know, there's a whole surgeons of people that like Mastro. Uh, they're all bald. And they all look like gravestones. Um, what can I say? I like the guy, the guys that look uh, that run Primo. They look healthy and uh, and happy go lucky, and uh, and and they're full and round and hard. So I'm I'm the Primo crowd. But if you want to run Mastron because it's cheaper, go right ahead, dude. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what you run. <laughs> run what is what is best and cheapest for you, right? Run what's affordable. Uh, so in the off season, I would go with uh, Test and Primo and GH and Insulin and Incrolex or IGF one or three. And, uh, but if that's not your, uh, you know, uh, shtick, then uh, you go with Mastron instead, right? I mean, there's multiple ways of uh, to skin the cat. They're not entirely interchangeable, only uh, with relation to the inhibition of aromatization, right? But I, I feel that the fullness and the muscle gain and the overall cosmetic appeal of Prima Bolin, far superior. Far superior than Mastron. And otherwise, why would I be running Prima Bolin at high dosages and not Mastron, right? 
of course, I would spend less money on Master on anything. Save save some money. I mean, I love to save money. All right, here we go. Uh, Alex Carrera, semiglutide starts at 0.25 milligrams and titrates up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it starts up. So I think that 0.25 milligrams, uh, you know, three times per week is a sustainable dose. But if you need to start there once per week, go right ahead. Why is Primo better than Mastrone when we talk about looking young when on steroids? Didn't I just answer that? I don't know. Like with Mastrone, it seems that all these guys that run it at high dosages, they look fucking oxidized. And I'm not going to name any names, but you can clearly see it. Like, listen, this is this is no hair, right? This is real hair, not not fucking, uh, you know, the micropigmentation. This is real hair. I shave it by choice. But these guys that run high mastrone, they're bald up until here, right? They literally look like Vegeta, like that. And then their skin looks fucking oxidized, like they've been smoking cigarettes the entire time. And the guys who run high dosages of Primo don't seem to look like that. They might still be balding because it's a DHT derivative, but Prima Balling for the skin, I mean, it, it's called Prima Balling for a reason. <laughs> Dude, Prima Bella, it's, I mean, it's in the name. I think Drostenolone just makes you look aged, right? And if you need to run it because you're in a contest prep, okay, fine, there's something to win, but you still look fucking old. You still look like a smoker, right? So I would go with Prima Balling, man. Low dose test, low dose prima ball, and a little bit of growth hormone for a little bit of fullness, fill in the wrinkles, and then you look good. Man, I see so many 40 years old who, who hammer gear and they look fucking haggard. They look fucking haggard, you know? And even when I was hammering gear, I did look fucking haggard unless I was really overtrained. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, there's so many drugs to choose from. Just take the ones that actually make you look and feel good. Uh, how do you find the correct dose of Tomasartan? Blood pressure. Okay, so you get a blood pressure uh, monitor, Omron 7. I'll, I'll always link it down below. You can buy it on Amazon for like 50, 60 bucks. Uh, so you get an Omron 7. It's not super accurate, but it's accurate enough. You keep a log of your blood pressure for a week, right? At various times during the day, when you wake up, pre-workout, post-workout, before you go to bed. Then you add in 20 milligrams of Tomasartan and you see how your blood pressure readings over the week change. Right? 20 milligrams of Tomasartan upon waking. Then decide if you need to go to 40 milligrams after a week, right? Keep track of your blood pressure for another week, and then you can increase if needed. So you need a device to keep track of your blood pressure, and you need a medication that you'll incrementally build up as your blood pressure becomes more manageable, but it's still um, unfavorable, uh, and thus you need to escalate the dose upwards, right? Baskar, coming to Thailand tomorrow. Oh, man, you're coming in right in high season, dude. <laughs> so many people here right now fuck me yeah but you'll have fun yeah good luck uh, fi uh, fighting uh fighting off all the the girls at the entertainment areas apparently there's a, a boatload of them so um since uncle steve is out of commission in that department make sure you you uh bang a couple for me too okay thank you yaya duck noko any thoughts on oral semiglutides, rebelsis? I've been on 14 milligrams a day for one week and no effect yet. Pharmagrade from Nova Nordisk. Yeah, the, the oral semiglutide and the oral exenatide doesn't really seem to do much. That's why I never really covered it. So um, I would go with the injectable version and start at 0 0.25 milligrams uh, once a week, up to three times a week, and then build it up from there, you know? I mean, um, 
they, they're supposedly orally bioavailable, but if 14 milligrams per day is not doing anything, and if you're switching to, uh, you know, 0.25 milligrams once per week, and you do get an appetite suppressing effect, then that's one hell of a difference in a milligram dose, right? So that's, yeah, I would go with the injectable version. Edward Piper, uh, BBC 157 worth it beyond injury recovery. No, I don't think that it has any preventative properties. Right, even if you train harder and you take BPC one five seven or TB five hundred com combined, I don't think it's going to do anything for recovery uh, beyond the steroids and the uh, the growth hormone or whatever else that you're taking. I would only use these um, when there's an injury or you have some nagging pain or whatever, some inflammation. Right, I mean TB five hundred is pretty good as an anti-inflammatory compound, and and BBC 157 is very good for healing. So you put both and both together when you have an injury or some nagging pain. And then within four to six weeks, it's gone. You know, unless you keep straining it, you also need to take rest, right? You need to take rest in order for everything to heal. How's the retarded tide? <laughs> what a name, dude. Retra True Tide. Retta, Retta True Tide. Uh, it was great, but I only read it in the US at uh, one milligram three times per week. So I ran it for about three weeks and I felt that my blood glucose levels were a little bit elevated at certain periods of time and that my urine uh, smelled like uh, glucose also, but I also ate like, well, an asshole in the US, right? And even though I modified all my meals, uh, by the time I came back, my lipid parameters were fucked. MSC reactive protein was 11 milligrams per liter. Yeah. So uh, even though I did take retro diet and I ate quite conservatively, I didn't gain so much body fat but my uh, metabolic markers were kind of skewed from the American food. Um, I'd, at least I didn't get fat. So uh, I would like to run it again in the future, albeit that it's very difficult to source right now because uh, lobbyists, right? Um, but I think it was promising. I mean, based on how well I modified my orders and how my food selection was while running retro through tides, I would say that it's very effective, but I didn't lose any fat on it. I didn't lose any body fat on it uh, because uh, obviously when you eat outside a cheesecake factory three times a week and uh, Denny's and, and, you know, whatever else you can find, then yeah, uh, what do you expect, you know? <laughs> and in restaurants and stuff. So yeah, too many diners. Yeah, maybe I can get over my cheesecake fix after a cheesecake factory opened here in Thailand so I can... Uh, just go uh, maybe once a month. And then by the time I go to the United States next year, then I'm like, okay, I've, ha I've had enough. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just going to go to the places that you guys recommend and not end up at these disgusting diners all the time. Uh, what could cause low uric acid when all the other kidney markers are normal? Always uh, have always been like this in my blood test since I started doing them five years ago. Don't know if it's normal. It just means that you are, uh, you know, normally hydrated or you uh, don't consume high purine foods, right? And of course, there's a whole list of purine foods. So, you know, simple Google purine rich foods. My diet and gout. Uh, just, just, just type it in. I'm not going to link all these websites because I'd have to vet them first. Um, but yeah, uh, look into your purine intake and look into your water intake. And that's very likely the reason why your uric acid levels are this low. I don't think it's problematic at all. I don't think it's a bad thing. 
Oscar, uh, what causes high eosinophils on my differential? Leukocyte count is 9.3, range is 1 to 6. Um, what would your eosinophil count? Is your eosinophils 9%? Okay, so, oh, your eosinophils 9%. Okay, right. So, white blood cell count. Yeah, okay, got it. Uh, it's usually from the injections. Right, if you do a lot of injections, typically you see that uh, eosinophils goes up, and maybe, maybe the injections are somewhat, um, you know, sterile. But it could be that you have a little bit of contaminants, some, you know, some some bacteria or some pollutants or whatever. I, I've seen it on my blood work too, where eosinophils just goes to six or seven percent for a while, and then take a particular compound out, and then it's back to normal again. So if you're taking something from the gray area market that is produced in China, then maybe that's the reason. Maybe you need to take all those ex exotic uh, peptides out, purely stick to pharmaceuticals, and then see if your eosinophils come down because there might be a slight allergic or bacterial uh, response, right, that you're making. And, and of course, if you do it in a very extreme cycle with like 10 injections per day, then even if you do everything pharmaceutical grade, simply because you're piercing the skin so many times and administering all kinds of foreign compounds into your body, then eosinophils will also come up as part of the immune system response. So um, it's just part of the game. All right. Let's see if I missed some member questions. Six hundred sixteen people in the chat. Do we have one hundred sixteen likes though? Probably not, right? We have thirty likes. Oh my god! Well, now we have thirty-one. I like my own shit. <laughs> All right, where are we? Uh, let's not waste the bandwidth on that. Okay. Uh, Scroll down a bit. No question. Just want to say thank you, coach. Appreciate all the help and knowledge you share. Double thumbs up. Man, everybody's so generous today. Yeah, a lot of super chats just saying thanks. I mean, uh, it's the end of the year, right? So it's good to say thanks. And uh, this is the closest I will get to a Christmas present uh, from you guys. So, um, yeah, by all means, keep those super chats going. <laughs> So I can afford to take my wife out to dinner again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my wife loves dinners. Yeah. First we eat out, and then I eat out. Know what I'm saying? XMR is better than Bitcoin. Oh, come on, dude. Just buy both. <laughs> but trade accordingly. Where are we now? Every time somebody brings a Bitcoin, I feel inclined to watch the charts. All right, Binance. What is Binance saying? Ah, 34,800. Well, let's see if we can break through 44,000 and shoot up to 48,000 so I can take my fucking profits. I would like to take some profits again. Yeah. It would be nice if it's before the end of the year, but I doubt it. I think next week a lot of the... Big money is uh, celebrating Christmas and not watching the charts. But this is cryptocurrency, right? You can always be surprised. How bad the price in Thailand goes up? Um, 
I mean, the, the currency fluctuations are, are pretty big, right? With the dollar going up to what, 38, uh, bought for the dollar and now it's what, 34, right? So you have the currency fluctuation there between the US dollars, which is the main world currency, and then the Thai bot. I think price is just slowly, steadily coming up with like three to 5% per year, right? But I mean, I don't really spend much to be honest. I'm a good earner, but of a horrible spender, you know? So once in a while I go on holiday and I spend like a fucking asshole. Uh, but here in Thailand, I don't really spend that much money, you know, so, so I don't really notice much. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my quality of life is good. You know, I spend maybe a couple thousand dollars per month, you know, and that's all, uh, including everything and everything else that I make is just, you know, into assets. So I can't say that I noticed that the prices have gone up substantially here in Thailand um but when foreigners come here they might notice it from year to year right so oh last year this uh, restaurant was 250 baht per dish and now it's 275 or 300 baht right so you might notice that um and of course it's an increase of what 20 percent is it 20 percent yeah is it? <laughs> let's say 20 percent so that it is noticeable but um yeah, I mean, if you go out once a week and you and you eat moderately, you know, I mean, it's not like I have expensive uh, five-star uh, gourmet uh, buffet dinners every fucking week. Then you don't really notice it. You know, the the bills of me are like a thousand baht, twelve hundred baht per time, and that's me and my wife. And then sometimes we eat for eight hundred baht, and it's fifty bucks, sixty bucks in total. It's um, it's not that crazy, you know. So yeah, I mean, the prices are up. I'm sure. Um, but it's doable. Still a good place to spend money. Yeah. Let's see. Where are we? Oh, Alex. Alex, you're a member. You don't need to do this. <laughs> but thank you anyway. <laughs> thank you anyway. Uh, thanks for all the information and help. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, Alex Carrera is the token female in here who looks absolutely fucking fantastic based on her picture um so uh, thank you very much for the 20 dollars that goes into the gordon ramsay hamburger fund right if you know you know so um yeah but i'll probably spend it not i actually the hotel buffet is a little bit more expensive next weekend but i'll probably be able to get myself something nice for this uh, thank you so much guys for all your donations it goes a long way it goes a very long way um because at the end of the month when you do your finances then uh yeah, the YouTube revenue is, is pretty good. Not great. It's not uh, more plates, more dates, gr uh, great, but it's it's great nonetheless. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Uh, Steve, I love your videos and I've learned so much for you. I was wondering where your accent is from. I'm Dutch. I'm from Holland, dude. Yeah, I'm from Holland. That's uh, that's a Dutch accent, but um, it's not as bad as Wesley Vissers, right? Wesley Vissers talks with more of a Dutch accent than I do, but I've been, to be fair, I've been living abroad for 17 years in Thailand and I've traveled all over Asia and, and well, I've been basically been to most of the continents now besides Africa and Australia and Antarctica. I said it's well, quite half the continents then. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've, I'm from Holland originally, uh, but I don't identify as Dutch anymore, especially not now that they... Uh, um uh, the guy that they put into uh, a position of prime minister fuck dude <laughs> well let's not get political let's not get political all right let's see what else we got are we running out of questions 
we're running out of questions. I don't mind. I don't mind putting a, a, a lid on it today. It's been a long day, man. I've had consultations and I recorded the carrier oil deep dive video, which was, uh, well, you'll never look at steroids the same. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, thank you for me as well. I'm not a bodybuilder, but your nootropic and endurance content have been very enjoyable for me. Okay, finally, somebody who enjoyed those videos. <laughs> a grata occult. Thank you very much. I'm happy to hear that. Um, yeah, I was surprised that the endurance deep dive didn't really go far, but it seems that the nootropics and the entrepreneurial stuff is really going somewhere. So I feel more motivated to make videos about that. And again, once I have more stuff with my editor, right? So he, uh, he basically doesn't have to take any breaks anymore because we were a little bit on and off the last couple of months or the last couple of weeks because I was in the United States and then he had holidays. So I just want to have a boatload of videos ready for him to edit. And then I'll just do, um, more endurance stuff like an MMA specific stack and a uh, boxing specific stack and that kind of stuff. But that's just in the pipeline. I just want to get through these uh, pretty heavy uh, videos first, right? And then I can make videos that I can edit myself in the meantime. All right, we're on the thank you uh, train now. <laughs> Thanks for everything, Steve. It was a good day today. All right. My pleasure, Iron Grid. Thank you for your donation. Much appreciated. Uh, Mike Hart, ever met Bus Rutten? Uh, no, but I've met Raymond uh, Boyaski a couple times in the gym. Um, yeah, but Bus Rutten, I never met. No. No. Uh, 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 uh. Alex Career, Nootropics, Endurance, and Mitochondrial videos are my favorite. So much great information. Okay, happy to hear that. Happy to hear that that people are still watching them. Um, yeah, I, all I see is the comments and the views, right? So if I get less of a response, then I feel less inclined to make more because the longer list of to-do videos is uh, always long, right? But the endurance deep dive is pretty much done. I, I, I don't think it's necessary to uh, make a separate video about uh, how to reduce inflammation in the context of increasing endurance because it's talking about glucocorticoid steroids and stuff. And, uh, and all the stimulants I'm going to discuss in the nootropics deep dive anyway. So those will be addressed at one point or another, right? So stay tuned for more. I agree. I would send more, but I went broke, uh, broke buying booze and buying gifts for the fam. <laughs> yeah, man, it's Christmas time. I don't expect anybody to dish out any more money. Uh, but considering it was a mini gift for me, seriously, you got me healthy for uh, and being here is fun. Okay, awesome. Happy to hear that. And again, every donation helps, dude. You put it all together at the end of the month, and it's it's actually pretty fucking sweet. So I uh, hope you guys have an awesome uh, Christmas yourself, right? And, and save some money for your family, who are way more important than donating money to me. Let's be honest. Right? I'm just some random dude off the internet that answers drug questions. I mean, family is what Christmas is all about, right? Uh, Buscar. Uh, does Anivar reduce estradiol levels? Not to my awareness. I've never seen that directly on blood work. Got my AST up to 143 units per liter and ALT up to 177. I think due to the Anivar. Um, uh, I think that's another steroid that you were taking. Can two injections of 600 milligrams glutathione somewhat fix it before I have a vacation tomorrow? Uh, it would help. But yeah, two injections of 600 milligrams glutathione, that's 4cc per butt cheek. And that's one hell of a flight. 
that's one hell of a flight to Thailand with eight cc's of glutathione in your butthole. Uh, when you arrive here in Thailand, Jesus, what the hell? Fucking burps. Mm. So when you arrive here in Thailand, look for Ursolin. I'll uh, link it down below. Ursolin Atka. Uh, Ursodiol, is it the one? These websites are all in Thai. Fucking hell. Uh, images. Ah, there it is. There it is. Let me see if we can link this. Ah, Asian now. Open a new tab. All right, here. I'll link it down below. This is pharmaceutical Atka. Tatka is not available here. It's on the Asian Now website. Uh, this is Ursolin. And just show this picture to the pharmacy when you come here in Thailand. They sell it over the counter everywhere. It's about a thousand baht. And then you take a thousand milligrams of this every single day uh, on top of the glutathione that you were uh, injecting before you came here. And then, um, yeah, unfortunately, Bonavar Anivar is uh, no longer being produced here. Um, but some other anivar that is produced in India is actually okay. Yeah, it's actually okay. We're not going to mention the name. Oh, okay, here, here we go. Already on ursodeoxycholic uh, acid, 300 milligrams with the first and last meal already. Okay, uh, yeah, then, then the anivar that you were taking was definitely super draw or something else. Um, so you might want to consider buying some Indian-made anivar here and again i would never touch the injectables of these indian made steroids as well uh, mentioned in the carrier oil deep dive video uh but the orals are actually quite on point yeah you are our uncle steve <laughs> yeah uncle steve the online steroid daddy that's what i am yeah alvaro what's up happy holidays to you and the vigorous crew happy holidays buddy Good to see you pop in. Did uh, did uh, Paul Burnett finish already? I guess so. Uh, Alvaro got himself a job at all the big uh, steroid YouTube channels. Now he does timestamps for everybody, right? This guy's smart. He got himself a part-time job. <laughs> smart, dude. Right? I'll make your timestamp, sure. All right, and then make for another channel, another channel, another channel. So it, this is the entrepreneurship that I uh, like to see. All right, you just fucking hustle, make more money. All right, where where are we? Maybe it's Winstrel. Yeah, but Winstrel even then wouldn't raise your liver enzymes that much. I would rather suspect superdrol or 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 you have biliary obstruction. Right, and the bowel acid isn't really flowing uh, into your intestinal tract, and all the liver enzymes are remaining behind in your bloodstream. Right, you, you can do ultrasounds here on the abdomen for like a thousand baht. So, right, I, I mentioned that in the Thailand Survival uh, Guide video. All the places to do blood work is in the the description section of the Thailand Survival Guide. There you go. That's the spirit. I have some time to spare, so I'd rather make some extra cash than play video games, dude. If everybody had your mentality, you know how good the economy would be right now? <laughs> People would just rather be lazy. Yeah. I don't know why I don't have money. Because you're fucking lazy, dude. <laughs> Ferraro's getting paid. 
He's making uh yeah, a good amount of extra money every month doing timestamps for everybody. And he's probably using AI to do it too. So he's even more smart. Are you using AI? Alvaro, spill the beans. It's the end of the year. Come on, be honest. Are you using AI? I, I'm paying you, you to use AI. <laughs> It'd be so funny. Oh, this is the Tammy AI timestamps by Alvaro JD. <laughs> I would not fucking blame you, dude. No AI. Okay. They use the real deal, right? No CGI in this uh, video. <laughs> Uh, Rudy, are you aware of libido issues due to low DHT while simultaneously E2, uh, E2 estradiol and T levels are normal and high? Yeah, everybody's still aware of that. It's called post-finasteride syndrome. <laughs> of course, the DHT is so important. I don't understand why all these guys go on finasteride. And Keeps is a fucking criminal for, for just advertising left and right. Oh, you have, you have hair loss? Talk to one of our guys and we'll prescribe you finasteride. Dude, all these guys have a non-functioning dick now. Thanks to Keeps. So Keeps should be called Flacid. That's that's the real name of that company, Flacid. So, uh, low DHT only happens when you take 5-alpha reductase inhibitor in form of finasteride, dutasteride, or some of the other ones that are available. I don't think that it really happens with salt palmetto or pygium, right? Or uh, reishi mushroom extract. They might lower DHT to a certain level, but not to the point that your dick doesn't come up anymore. So uh, we're very aware of low libido issues. That's why I made that video post finasteride syndrome, right? Which I'll link down below. Post finasteride syndrome. Man, the thumbnail's legendary. Uh, let's see. Fifth from the top. Give that one a watch. The cure is within. Uh-oh. Pondo, let's all go Dutch and getting Steve in Christmas gift. Now let's save it for next weekend. <laughs> save it for next weekend, guys. Next weekend, we're going to have a blast, okay? The Boozer's Q&A. Bring your whiskey, bring your cigars. I'll move the entire setup outside. Yeah, I'll, I'll spray myself down with uh, mosquito uh, spray. And then we'll have the two street cats uh, just probably on my lap. I guess I'll be sitting in the same position for two and a half hours, right? And I'll hook everything up with, um, you know, uh, uh, LAN cables and, uh, you know, proper electricity. We'll do it outside. The background will be shit, but I can smoke cigars carefree because the last time I smoked a cigar in this room, this room smelled for two fucking months. <laughs> so I'm going to do it outside. And then I hope you guys can all join me. Um, we'll remove the spam filter and we'll remove all the keywords and all the blocked users. And then, uh, you know, if I get really drunk, let's do some call-ins too. Right? Let's make it epic. Uh, let's make it fucking epic next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's have fun. Let's have some fun. We'll do some call-ins too. Yeah. But you only get the call in if you have a cigar and a glass of fucking whiskey in your hand, because I don't deal with, uh, you know, if you want to drink lager or something that you're not going to get on my podcast. <laughs> Caleb, uh, ever seen blood work on Stembalone and Oxybalone? No, unfortunately, no. I've talked to people who've used Stembalone, never Oxybalone, uh, but I've never seen blood work on any of those. Uh, can you walk me through a growth hormone test to I use intravenous five minutes before, five minutes before the test? Um, okay, so, well, here we go. Here we go. Bicep. Uh, you have a vein here. You see that one? This one right here, right? So you go tightest off. This vein will bulge. 
like it is now. And then you IV to IU's growth hormone right in there, right? You have to make sure that the bevel, the bevel is uh, up, pointing up. And of course, you can find videos about this, about how to do uh, IV administrations on YouTube, right? It goes right in here. You do that with one hand. Then you, if you want to, you can draw with your thumb, but in most cases, you will feel that it's in, right? But if you're doing this the first time, fuck, I'm doing IV administrations now live on. Uh, well, you pay $20, so you get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah, so you aspirate if this is your first time. And then you slowly press it in, right? Of course, it's all at a, at a proper angle. And if if you're doing a, 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 a blood work analysis, if you have 20 bucks to spare, just do the $20 trick. It works in Las Vegas, it works for me, and it will probably work for the nurse as well. So you can just close your hands and let the nurse do it for you, right? Just said, please IV this. And she'll, and then slip her $20, no questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> right it's it, it's it's growth hormone or, or draw it in front of them you know you bring your nortitropin pen or your uh, genotropin pen or your serranos or your whatever else right your omnitropes draw it in front like take the two ius out depending on the concentration it depends you know how many ius you need to draw draw that two ius ask them hey uh, please do this for me here's 20 bucks go to town and then um uh, draw your uh blood work five minutes later on the other side right it's it's pretty simple actually yeah it's pretty simple so good luck uh after you've done it please report back and let us know your uh, nanograms per milliliter on your serum growth hormone test um i'm pretty sure it's going to be 100 or more relentless tips for big ugly hips on a male bodybuilder uh no grow grow your quads more so it kind of fills out the hips and do more vacuums so the, the hips and the bulging quads look more pronounced i don't know i don't know i mean bodybuilders are kind of ugly anyway so just play into it <laughs> on stage bodybuilders look great but most of the off season walking around the gym i mean we kind of look sloppy you know so dude if you have big hips put them to work put them to work in patio right if you have big hips you have a lot of pushing power right uh, put those hips to work man do a lot of hip thrusts right do a lot of kickbacks grow your glutes uh do a lot of deep squats grow your uh quads out and then and then uh you know make sure it's all flaring and advertise it properly in patio and then i'm sure uh, you'll get some uh you'll get some response goat ninja how's the cigar availability where you are um I know limited i feel that the, the, the you know the the importation taxes in the markup is fucking crazy so i import all of my cigars from holland let me give them a plug uh but you have to contact them directly let's see uh can't find their website anyway it's a la casa del habano in uh in amsterdam what's their website so you just contact them and they send it right away you know and of course if you live in the united states and it might be difficult to import those cubans um yeah so it, it, it kind of sucks that way but i i order everything online man and then when i went to the united states i went to the eight lounge in uh what is it called uh 
man, one of the resorts where the Mr. Olympia is going to be this year. And, uh, and there I stocked up on another 15 cigars. So when I travel, I buy more. And then otherwise, I, uh, I asked uh, them to send me over some, you know, packaged up nicely in some, uh, um, yeah, some, some something else. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And then it passes right through. Yeah, don't have to pay import taxes. So uh, cigar availability here is okay. There's a very good cigar lounge in Patty. I'll link that one. Um, let me see. Maps. This is probably the best cigar lounge in, in Thailand. I might have to... Cigar. I went to here with the Aaron a while back. I think it was called like Prestige or something. Cigar Lounge or Gentleman's Club. Empire Luxury Private Club. There we go. Share link. This is probably the best cigar lounge in Thailand, or at least the one that I've been to. And that has also a very good selection of cigars. So if you're coming in Thailand and you want to inquire about that, second floor, use some sort of silver elevator to get up there. They have a great cigar lounge. And this is one of the few places where they have that that whiskey that is so stupid expensive uh, that you would pay like a couple thousand dollars for a bottle, but you can also do it by glass. So if you want to spend $200 on a glass of whiskey, this is the place to do it. Not that I ever have. Right? I have I have limitations. I had $200 on a bottle of whiskey, okay, but not on a glass of whiskey. That's fucking insane. Uh, but this place has probably the best selection of whiskeys and cigars that you'll find anywhere um, in Thailand besides maybe some exclusive uh, five-star hotels. And trust me, I've been to all the cigar lounges in all the five-star hotels, and they don't come anywhere close to the Empire Luxury Private Club. Yeah. Yeah, I spent zero money there because uh, Aaron Burke took me out. Yeah, so I have no idea how much money he spent, but it, it was fucking good. Uh, forgot to add, also as a growth hormone natty. What, what, wait a minute. Oh, here, we're, we're missing a question. What is the best time for growth hormone and an IGF-1 blood test uh, cut versus off-season? Uh, just in the morning, right? It's just you have to test it in the morning because then you don't have anything to interfere with growth hormone readings, right? Because what was it? Choline? Man, what's, what nutrient interfered with growth hormone levels? Um, was it choline or betaine? Also, is it in the growth hormone? Oh, you want to test your growth hormone at a natty levels. Okay, yeah, in the morning. Yeah, in the morning. Wake up, uh, uh, drink some water, and go test it. Yeah, that's the best way. Uh, let's see. Oh, we've been here for two and a half hours already. Holy moly. Uh, of course, here we go again every week. How's the baby making going? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. When we're ready to talk about it, we'll uh, tell you guys. <laughs> Make sure that stuff is sent by private mail, not FedEx, etc. Yes, yes. FedEx in Thailand, that's guaranteed import taxes. <laughs> Those guys are fucking crooks. They'll hold everything. Uh, let's see. All right, you've been asking this question like a million times, so now you're in timeout. Mm. 
Caleb. Thank you, Coach. You've provided so much information and research on the YouTube for this community. Again, my pleasure. Uh, you have haters. <laughs> Mike Hart asks, do we have haters? I think there's a, pro a couple ones. Yeah, they try to charge me rent because I occupy their minds 24-7. I feel like haters are inevitable when you put yourself out there. I only have 2K subs and even I have them. You know, look at it this way. Like, haters, again, are inevitable. That success is offensive. So when you're becoming popular or people are starting to talk about you, uh, there will be some people who are adverse to that. And it, that's just part of life. I mean, when you went to high school, right, there were a couple of kids in your classroom who didn't like you also. And and when you go work somewhere, there's probably a couple of colleagues who don't like you also. Now, of course, in the classroom and colleagues are face to face, right? So there's a little bit of um, uh, a barrier. But online, there's no barrier. So everybody talks shit online. It's easy right until you meet face to face in the real world and then there might be an altercation especially if shit talking uh, happens over and over and over again right especially if it's unprovoked so um haters are just part, part of the game you know and the only way to shut them up is just to become more successful and keep going yeah yeah just show them show them that it doesn't mean a, a flying fuck you know so you just keep going keep doing your thing right haters will be there you're not in the business of trying to convince them to like you, right? In the end, there's probably 99% of the people out there that like you and a couple different haters, right? Let them be miserable, dude. <laughs> Let them be miserable, right? Eventually, they'll take care of themselves because karma is a bitch. And these guys, the haters, will always find themselves into a position where their lives just falls apart. I mean, we've seen it happen over and over again. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. Karma will take care of the haters. And then after karma took care of them, new haters will pop up. So then it's up to you to deal with it. And and ideally, you don't give them a, a you know time of day. And sometimes they get in your skin, you know, you 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 clap back a little bit, and uh, you know that just happens. Just uh, just don't do it too often. But yeah, haters are going to be there, man. It's fine. It's fine. It just means that we'll never get on this big platform, right? Because if People are hating in the fitness community when in reality they had an opportunity to come on a podcast with me and grow their audience and get some business out of it opportunities lost bitch <laughs> you did it to yourself all right people are in line to come on my podcast now so i can just pick and choose all the guys who i think are good people like roman fritz for example fucking saint all right, he's welcome anytime, any day of the week. Of course, we won't have Roman Fritz off every day because otherwise, uh, you know, it would turn into the 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 uh, Romanerous Romanerous uh, the YouTube channel. But yeah, that's good people. So I think from all of the uh, you know podcasts that I've done, the large majority of the people are uh, were good people and are still good people. Right, some of them turn out to be dickheads, uh, but yeah, unfortunately, sometimes people online can pretend to be. Uh, people who are they are not completely yeah that's the unfortunate reality of uh you know online personas all right what's the next one <laughs> very good way i can't stand to covert passive aggressive haters yeah yeah what can you do man again they're miserable so just let them be uh, let them be miserable. Just you'll make them more miserable by uh, increasing your success and your exposure. 
<laughs> fine dude <laughs> fine dude i'll just smoke another cigar all right where are we i think it's time to wrap it up and getting a little bit sleepy now it's 2 30 in the morning i mean who else does this uh what's up steve wondering how do dopamine agonists pair with beta blockers um i don't think that's a good idea at all because dopamine agonists also increase your heart rate that's so I, I don't think that's a good drug interaction but i haven't researched it to be fair um so i i, I would just assume that it's not a good idea to activate dopamine receptors and block the better receptors um with um you know better blockers and dopamine receptor agonists but of course, if you're increasing your dopamine levels or you have some sort of dopaminergic compound with a beta blocker, that goes well, right? That doesn't doesn't really matter. So if your L-tyrosine, L-dopa, and L uh, and dopamine levels are elevated, and you use some sort of dopaminergic compound and you use a beta blocker, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, but if you start adding in the Gabrigoline or the, the Pramipexol, right? Yeah, no, no. All right, guys, let's wrap it up here. This was fucking epic. Uh, keep in mind, next week, the Boozer's Q&A, Boozer's Vigorous Q&A, right? So uh, next week, uh, probably not so much drug questions. Just ask me bullshit, right? We'll remove all of the band members. I might reintroduce them later on. I'll put them in the text pad so I can add them back. Uh, we'll remove all the, the nasty keywords so anything goes, right? But if you're banned, you're still banned. And um, let's do some fucking call-ins again. All right, just to say hi, not question, not, not Steve, what do you think about MK677? Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking you out of the chat so fast, you'll probably get whiplash. Uh, and if you want to call in, oh, holy shit. <laughs> if you want to call in, better make sure you have a cigar and a glass of whiskey in hand because I don't drink solo. Right, Ron Burgundy, you are the man for the opportunity and cigar fund. That is definitely a solid cigar. Uh, Ron Burgundy. You are the fucking man. And look at the color that uh, StreamYard gave you. A $50 super chat gets a beautiful color. All right, guys, let's leave it here. I'll see you guys next weekend at the Vigors Q&A, which is uh, the Boozers Q&A. And then uh, next year, uh, let's make it fun and uh, let's make it magical because we're far from done with this live stream every single weekend. All right, guys, peace out. Merry fucking Christmas next week make sure you spend it with uh, friends and family right enjoy yourself i will certainly do that and then uh, next weekend uh, let's make it uh, fucking epic okay peace out